Hello, and welcome back to Mad Get Radio. Welcome to episode 21, and on the show tonight, what we will be doing is discussing all things Scottish Championships. The TSC is just around the corner, the lists have been submitted, the draw has been made, and tonight, I am joined, as always, by the He-Man to my Skeletor, it's Paul. Ah, oh, that was good, man. It's good, right? It's alright. That was good. I dig it. Uh, we are joined by the one and only Scottish Knight, Ed Murdoch. Hey guys, nice to be back. And, because we love you all, we've got a special guest appearance, first time in the show, it's the magnificent Tom Uden. Hello! So before we go any further, because we've got lots to discuss in terms of uh, lists and matchups and who's going to win, who's going to lose, Tom, how about you introduce yourself? Who are you, Tom? <laughs> well, I'm a filthy Englishman, but I have actually represented Scotland at the ETC, so I feel uh, I'm not a complete imposter over here. Uh, I've been playing war games since... I was about 12 when I first started. I stopped briefly at uh, university when you discover beer and birds. Yep. Um, but then finish university and get a proper job when you have money again, and then you spend it on toys. Yeah. So I sort of got back into it around then when it was 8th edition. I pretty much exclusively played Warhammer uh, during 8th edition, tiny bit of 7th. Then when it uh, sort of transitioned uh, into 9th age, I stopped playing and started playing War Machine for a bit and did uh, sort of high-end tournament play there. Oh, okay. And then once they uh, sort of finalised, I think, version uh, 1.0, Ninth Age, I came over and have been heavily involved with it since. Um, mostly on the uh, sort of the, the southern England scene. I uh, run a club in London that's unfortunately uh, fallen away a little bit as there are better clubs in London. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, I'm just a keen tournament player, uh, avid member of the, what I would call a, a fairly fairly healthy and robust UK tournament scene. Nice. And what armies do you play, Tom, for anyone that doesn't know you? Uh, well, my main army is probably Beast Herds. That's what I've played sort of forever. And I, uh, and I, yeah, they're, they're my favourite army in terms of background and theme and more models, frankly, and just sort of that idea of mad things coming out of the woods. But I've been playing Undying Dynasties for the last little while, um, which is one of those sort of... I've almost always had a small collection of them because I'm a big fan of history, so the tie-in with Egypt has always been quite a nice aesthetic look. Yeah. Um, but I got asked to play them last year for Team England at the ETC, and they're really good, so I'm still playing. <laughs> they are a bit <laughs> filthy just now, aren't they? But we'll maybe come on to that a bit later. It really is incredible. Yeah, they're, they're all right. Yeah. yeah, they're all right. They're decent. Uh, mm. So first and foremost, thank you for coming on the show. And thanks to Ed, a returning guest. So Ed, why do we have you on the show? Other than, I'm sure, it being seen as a punishment. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm here as uh, probably, well, the, the main organizer, because I don't have to play at uh, TSE, uh, along with yourself, Andrew. So... The Scottish Champs is, is basically Team Scotland's yearly tournament. Uh, this is our second year this year, but we're hoping it will be a returning feature. We hold it as part of the build-up to the ETC, to the tournament season, uh, as a way to promote the Scottish team and to get people involved in, in the Scottish scene and help to sort of raise the profile of the, the game here. So that's the aim. We've got 32 players this year, which is a, a pretty decent uplift from last year's yep. uh, event. So, yeah, still growing and uh, hopefully get a, a good scene up uh, to join in. Awesome. And who are our sponsors, Ed? So, we have four <laughs> sponsors, four primary sponsors. Uh, we have Deep Cut Studio, who are sponsoring first place. We have Mears Miniatures, who are sponsoring second place. Uh, we have Cromluck, who are sponsoring Best Painted. 
and we have Warbases, who are sponsoring Team Scotland itself. They're one of my top picks for um, like sort of hobby supplier finds in um, in the Ninth Age. Warbases, yeah. yeah, good sponsor. Well done. <laughs> well, we kind of threw out to them like, "Would you be interested in this?" They were like, "Yeah." Like, yeah. excellent, locked you in. Yeah, that can I, did, I remember doing a tour once. We had about sort of seven sponsors because they just assumed everybody would say no. Yeah. Um, email. <laughs> we've done that before as well, don't worry. <laughs> so, we've got the pairings to announce. The pairings have been done in advance. Um, there is no shenanigans happening. Or, to clarify, if there was shenanigans, that's it, already been done. <laughs> um, but before we do that, Paul, how's it going, man? I'm good, man. Yeah? Yeah. Not bad. Trying to get organised, everything painted. Tournament is soon upon us. It is. I've got uh, three Feldrakes to paint and some barb cap to paint. It could be worse. It could be worse. Actually, it's, it's pretty good. Normally, I've got more to paint than that for a tournament. So, I'm <laughs> actually the big complicated stuff's done. I'm painting my stuff for it as we speak. Ah, okay. Have you got lots to do, Tom, or is it? Uh, well, no. I sent a picture of a unit I'm hoping to use to Ed, and I said, is this okay? Are you going to let me play with this? Because it's a unit of five models, and uh, three of them are one unit filler. So, as he's nice enough to allow me to use that, no, I'm fine. <laughs> just don't just... play Martin, because we'll never fucking hear the end of it if you play Martin. Uh, does he not like his unit fillers? Oh, he's very, like, to the word when it comes to things like this, so he will get you the Ninth Age pack that says that it has to be a certain amount of percentage that blah, 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 blah. I mean, just 20 of them to shut him up, but... There you go, that'll be fine. Yeah, that'll be fine. Right, oh, so Paul, you've been given the immense responsibility because I can't be trusted to announce the draw. So, will we just dive straight in? Yeah, so we've got 32 players, so this is all done completely randomly, no shenanigans. Drum roll, please. We're ready. Okay, so the first pairing is Monroe Armitage and his Dread Elves versus Jordan Bladen and his Demons. Then we have Matt Wilson's Infernal Dwarves versus Mark Greensoll's Saurian Ancients. We have myself up against Tom's UD, Gareth Barton's Vampires versus Stephen Dorning's Orcs and Goblins. Then we have the Spanish Stallion himself, Guillermo Bardera's Vermin Swarm, up against Hugh Scarlin's Kingdom of Equitain. We've got James Cormick's Ogre Khans versus Kevin Stonebank's Warriors. We have Andrew Lind mm-hmm. and his Vampires versus Rob Cousins and his Orcs and Goblins, which if anyone remembers back to the last episode, there was that <laughs> shit talk going on, which that has worked out marvellously. Yeah. I'm really happy about it. It's just like horrendously bad luck for me, but okay, we'll go with that. <laughs> uh, the next pairing is Jaunty's Ogres versus Tim Ross's Sylvan Elves. Then we've got Nick's Beast Herds up against Barry Lynch and his Vampires. Tim Botnick's Beast Herds versus Gary Quirk and his Vampires. Then we've got Martin Bueno and his Saurians versus Jack Austin with UD. Then we've got Drew's Vermin Swarm up against Matt Paris's Empire. That table is going to look fucking amazing. <laughs> then we've got Danny Minto and his Dread Elves up against Tony Hill UD. Then we've got David Johnson's Dwarven Holds up against Alex Thomas with Warriors. Michael Doherty's Empire versus Ollie Mathers's Infernal Dwarves. And then finally... Fraser Campbell with Dread Elves up against Josh Burns with Sylvan Elves. So, pretty good spread of armies. I think the only army we're missing is Highborn Elves. It is. It's a very nice spread. So, what we've got, we've got three UD, we've got three Vampire, three Orcs and Goblin, three Warriors. So, yeah, that's that's actually very healthy. 
there any one demons in that list? Oh yeah, only one demon. One demons, mm. one demons, one dwarven holds lists, but fuck dwarves, so no one cares. Yeah. You already bought the best in race trophies, or are you not going to bother doing them if there's only one? Nah, I've already uh, fucked that one, have I? Oh, we've already got them, so uh, they'll be available. <laughs> <laughs> Those who've successfully gamed the system and uh, picked one with only one, well, you're already on to the winner. You can't let Jordan actually win a best in race trophy. <laughs> oh, my God. You realise what you're doing? You're ending the scene. We've got Nav as master, and now we're going to have Jordan as best in race something. This is it. This is 2019. This is the world ending around us. Yeah, Jordan's already, already podiumed this year. Oh, fuck. Of course did. he did, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I guess, technically. <laughs> I bet you Fraz is fucking raging that he's not playing dwarves. <laughs> <sighs> well, that's his own fault. Right, so we've got a lot of tasty games to get through. So just for our lovely listener, in terms of how we're going to do this, we've each taken four matchups, and we're gonna one person's going to lead the discussion on each of the games, give a kind of brief overview and their gut feeling as to who's going to take on the day. We'll open up to the rest of them, we'll have a wee chat, we'll move on to the next one. Once we've gone through all the pairings themselves, we'll come together at the end and we'll talk about who we think is going to podium and any kind of overall thoughts we've had about the lists or about, you know, just the event in general. I have a question. Are we, us four, going to have standing bets as to who got the more predictions right? And we could trot, trot it up. See, around. this is why I like you, Tom, because that's a fucking fantastic idea. <laughs> We've got to think of some horrible forfeit. Okay. Oh, I'll bring three England tops. All right. And uh... if I'm better, you will have to all wear England tops. And otherwise, I will be bare-chested in a kilt for the rest of the event. <laughs> Do you own a kilt? I'll have to borrow. You'll have to borrow. Okay, right. I will bring my kilt, because it'll fit uh, you. Excellent. Right. This is game on, yeah? <laughs> We're doing yeah, this? Uh, done. Okay. I'm happy with those terms. Right, Ed, I need you to actually say game on. So we've got it on the recording. <laughs> All right, fine. Well, are we measuring this out of our four matchups that we are discussing? Yes, it's whoever gets the most right. Out I realise I put myself in three against one here. That's yeah, just... so to clarify, does that mean that... Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> only one of us has to beat Tom? That sounds fair to me. <laughs> I, to be fair, your podcast, and I'm the one crossing the border, so only fair that you guys get home. I mean, I was going to defend you, Tom, but if you want to jump in front of that bus, that's fine by me. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I started the engine on the bus without thinking about where it was going. <laughs> fair enough. Well, how about we do the person who scores the, the lowest? The least. Yeah, yeah, just the forfeit. Okay. All right, there we go. So it's either yeah. England top or naked kilt man for Tom. <laughs> naked kilt man. Excellent. It's an excellent form handle, just waiting to be made. <laughs> okay. Well, this is an exciting episode now. <laughs> that actually works out, because I've actually got, only got one Wildlings t-shirt, so that means I've got something else clean to wear the next day when I inevitably get my... <laughs> That's like a really clarty statement to make on Radio 4. <laughs> <laughs> um... Okay, right. I think we'd better uh, jump into the games before someone else says something. Um, mm-hmm. So, starting from the top, Paul, you've got the first uh, game. Yeah, man. Do you want to talk us through it? We've got Bruno Armitage with Dread Elves up against the aforementioned Jordan Bladen and his Demon Legions. So, Munro is running the obligatory uh, Oracle on a Dragon with the obligatory Divine Altar BSB. Of course. And then he's basically got four blocks of infantry, two blocks of spears, one block of Dancers of Yemma and one block of Dread Judges. And then he's got a couple of Dark Riders and then a couple of units of Harpies for Chaff, so... 
quite mobile. Mm. Uh, he's got good chaff. The he's going up against Jordan's demons. Jordan's running a double Savar list with five blocks of infantry. Um, <laughs> no chaff. Yeah, chaff for the weak. So it's quite interesting. So they're 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 both running infantry heavy lists. Looking at the matchup, I think I kind of want to give it to the Dread Elf list just because he has chaff. I think in some ways it's almost harder for Monroe because he's coming up against a list that's almost exclusively res 5. But because he's got plus 1 to wound aura, that's going to make, I think, a difference um, in some of those matchups. And because he's got the chaff, I think he'll be able to dictate some of the matchups a lot better than uh, Jordan will. Saying that, I think if it goes wrong for Monroe, it's going to go really wrong really quickly. Because the omens, I mean, I think what Jordan's going to do, he's going to have the omens in each of the, the units of uh, lemurs that he's got. So he's got two units of lemurs, or lemurs, or whatever they're called. <laughs> lemurs which are way the res- better, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which are the res 5 parry guys. And then he's got three units of hoarders, two units of six and one unit of five, which are four wounds res 5. So it's a really tanky list he's bringing. The thing about the omens, though, is they only have a six up against non-magical attacks. Okay. So if they go into the wrong thing, if they can't wipe it, if there's enough attacks coming back, they can actually get picked off. So I want to give it to Monroe. I think it will be an interesting game. A lot of it, I think, will come down to secondary as well. If the secondary favours Jordan, I think that will make it a lot harder for Monroe. So we'll see. But um, I would give it to the Dread Elves in this case. Okay, so Paul, your first prediction is Monroe. Yeah. Okay. Ed, Tom, any thoughts about that one? Well, I just want to kind of engage nerd nerd mode here and say, technically, <laughs> Jordan has no infantry in his army. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> um, which is a, a small... Like, it doesn't really matter until you realise that it's, it, all of it has swift stride. Yeah. So it's all actually really quite quick. And the hoarders are brutal. With the, with the task, and they could just stick around for so long. Um, and he's got the option of putting... Both the omens in one unit of lemurs, or splitting them and having sort of multiple threats that way. So it's a it's a pretty one dimensional list, but it does what it does well. Uh, but I think you're right though that the dread elves have all the tools to answer it. You know the the task in really annoys things like UD and ogres, things which have multiple attacks. But because the elves have few attacks, but they're class attacks, that plus one of wound is nasty against the tough five stuff. Yeah. I think you're you're completely right that if it's a scenario like capture the middle where Jordan can just kind of plonk his stuff down and dare you to come at him, then he'll probably just win the scenario. He doesn't have too much in terms of outreach. He's got uh, adepts on Solmaturgy and a Master on Divination. So he's got a decent amount of damage spells, but not the, nothing that's going to really start cranking out the points against the elves. So the elves should be able to outplay. It's just whether the scenario comes down and favours Jordan or is a nice spread one for Monroe. But I'll probably go with Monroe because, you know, screw Jordan. <laughs> This podcast is terrible. Well, we would yeah. never agree or disagree to such <laughs> allegations. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think I'd agree with that. It, as much as the the swift stride makes it a bit faster than a normal infantry list, it's still quite it's still quite lacking in drops and lacking in the ability to control the board. So uh, I think I think if Monroe plays it well and plays it carefully and doesn't get uh, caught up in poor combats, then he should take the day. Yeah, that's a good point about the drops. So if Monroe's kind of sensible in the deployment in early game, he can dictate the flow of the game and hopefully the combat, well, hopefully for him, the combats that he wants. So. Does the um, uh, BSB on altar have? Is it Morix Reaping? I've got Hero's Heart. 
Okay. Uh, just oh, no, the general has more actually thing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so two magic weapons. Really good answers for the omens there. Not that they want to be fighting a challenge anyway. Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm hesitant to say anything against the demons because I've not actually seen them in action yet. And the book's confusing as fuck. Mm-hmm. So I will be kind of keeping a half eye on George just to see just to see how they do. I mean, one thing that that's probably an advantage for Jordan, though, right, is that no one will have a massive amount of experience against the book yet. Yeah, I mean, the, again, specifically the list that he's taken, there aren't too many tricks in it. Yeah. You know, the, right, there's loads of tricks in the demon book, but Jordan basically, he's got three options here. He's got one kind of character he's doubled up on, one core character unit that he's doubled up on, one special choice he's tripled up on. So there's not that much to confuse his opponents, at yeah. least. Good point. Okay, so all agree with Paul, we think, Monroe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, all right, nice and easy. First game done. All right, so the second game is over to me. So this is Matt Wilson's Infernal Dwarves against Mark Greensill's Soaring Ancients. So last tournament that we hosted, um, I can't remember if it was Siege or Strife, Matt had the fortunate luck to be put in against a Sylvan Elf player with his Infernal Dwarves, and we all wrote off the Sylvan Elf player, Simon, basically told him to his face that he was going to get 20 and Simon managed to pull off the victory of the century after Matt's uh, wizard committed suicide in spectacular fashion. Um, yeah. This year, or this tournament, um, has gone the opposite, I think, for Matt. So in his list, Matt has a prophet in the Temple Lamassu, he's general, wizard adept, alchemy, engineer, flintlock axe, shield, alchemist alloy, crystal ball, and heat haze. We've got the BSB, who's a vizier, who's got an infernal weapon shield, Kadim uh, bindings, the mask of the infernus, potion of swiftness. He's got two twelves of citadel guard with musician flintlock axes shields, two twenty fives of orc slaves with uh, shields and musician, an eighteen man unit of full command with full command, sorry, ether icon, infernal weapons shields, three toric anointed with uh, musician standard shields, infernal weapons, two flamethrower teams. Uh, an Inferno engine with the shrapnel guns and a Kadim Titan. In the red corner, we have Mark Greensill, um, whose soaring ancients include a Quattle Lord, who's the general and BSB. He's got Essence of Free Mind with Alchemy and Divination. He's got the big boy, the Saurian Warlord on Alpha Carno with Halberd, Supernatural Dexterity, the Starfall Shard, and Spirit of the Stampede. He's got a little skink priest who's an adept on Druidism with the Sun Tablet. He's got 28 Saurus Warriors with Spear, Full Command, Serpent Totem, uh, and Flaming Standard, which is going to do fuck all here. Um, he's got 16 Braves, 3 Caimans, 3 Pterodon Sentries, 8 Skink Hunters with Blowpipes and Vanguard, 8 Chameleons, and 2 Taurosaurs, one with the Giant Bow and one with the Engine of the Ancients. I think this is kind of going to be Mark's game to lose in many senses, because there's really not a lot that Matt can do against the Warlord on the, hmm. the Taurusar. Because the Starfold Shard in this matchup is just insanely good. It basically gives him a two-up Aegis against everything <laughs> in Matt's army, bar uh, the shrapnel guns uh, on the Infernal Engine. So I think this is it's going to be tough for Matt. It's definitely an uphill struggle. I mean, having said that, there's definitely points in Matt's list to take. Um, I mean, he's little units, so he's got little units of skinks, the three uh, Caimans, the Pterodon Riders. I mean, they are they're not a huge amount of points each, but if you start taking multiple of them, it starts adding up. Things like the, the Taurosaur, again, if he gets the shrapnel guns on them, should make short work. The issue is is that Mark's going to have the Warlord and the two Taurosaurs bearing down at him at an early stage, so he's going to have to be very shit-hot at his uh, target prioritisation there. 
But all in all, I think this is this is a pretty brutal draw for Matt, unfortunately. So I'm going to give it to Mark. Any other thoughts? Anyone disagree? Uh, I think yeah, you, you said it all there. It's it's a complete. It's Mark's game to lose, and I don't think he's going to. Mark's list has not really changed over the last well, basically since I've been playing. I mean, he likes his carnosaurs, he likes his dinosaurs. He could play this list in his sleep, and you're right. On paper, it's a great matchup for for the lizards. So uh, yeah, got to give it a mark, really. Alrighty, Ed, any thoughts? I think it's hard to see how uh, he doesn't take this one. The Infernal Engine it will be trying to zone everything as much as it can, yeah. but the Carnosaur itself can probably take the Infernal Engine and, and will be getting all sorts of bonuses to charge it, etc. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's an unfortunate matchup for, um, for Matt, and I think he will be doing well to minimize his losses or to take as much from Mark as he can. Yeah, it's all about the submarine, Matt. Don't worry about it. You're, you're being set up well for it, though. <laughs> I mean, I think the Kadim Titan can do work. The issue is that if the Karna goes anywhere near the, the Titan, it's, it's done. It's so dead. Because the Titan should be able to kick the shit out of the Taurosaurs. But whether he gets Taurosaurs one-on-one and avoids the, the Karna is a big F. I mean, Mark can almost put all of his army behind the hill and then just put the Carnosaur in the middle. Of the middle oh, right? 100%. Yeah, yeah. And just run it because, yeah, I think yeah. Matt needs to get lucky if he does that. That one thing is just going to wreck him. But... Strange things have happened. Yep. Uh, but I think, yeah, I think Mark's going to be the number uno there. Paul, any thoughts? Sorry, a lot of that just was breaking up for me. I didn't hear most of that conversation. <laughs> okay. So, the next pairing... No, we're keeping score here. You need to decide. Just pick a random Oh, name. shit, so we do. Yeah, yeah. So, what's everyone else going? Just say Mark. Just say Mark. Mark is the... I kind of want to give it to the person who isn't going to win. <laughs> <laughs> so, you're going to go Matt. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go Matt. Okay, I mean, you lose anyway, but okay. Excellent. Okay, okay. Right, Mr. Murdoch, you're up. Yeah, so I've got these uh, couple of unknown guys. Uh, Jabroni's Paul, right here. Paul and uh, Tim, Tom, Tom, okay. Timothy? Yeah. My phone ought to correct my own name. It's a little bit disappointing. Wow. <laughs> uh, so, I'll do a quick run through your guys' lifts, uh, which will clearly do no benefit to you. Uh, <laughs> but uh, for the listener's benefit, Paul is running <laughs> Warriors of the Dark Gods. He's got a Sorcerer as his general, Wizard Master on Evo on a Battle Shrine, uh, with the Lord of the Damned uh, upgrade. So he'll be re-rolling any of his... Uh, uh, get the right term. Uh, do it. I believe in you. Oh, shit, sorry. Uh, Give a giveaway. Don't tell him. I, I've, to- no, I've totally forgotten the term. Exiled. Oh, no, God. it's not exiled. Oh, I can't I'm remember. I'm going to tell you now. You've ruined it. <laughs> See these fucking exec boards not even knowing their own games? Oh. Yeah. Makes me yep. really Polish. I probably, <laughs> I probably came up with this name as well. <laughs> but yeah, you'll be re-rolling the Wretched Ones and the Forsaken Ones, the random movement rolls. You've got the Five Fallen. You've got some t- 24 Warriors uh, with Zealot's Banner. Nice choice. Some Halbeards. A couple of units of Barbarian Horsemen. A couple of units of Warhounds. Six Feldrax with uh, full command and the Banner of Discipline. Uh, six Wretched Ones and two Forsaken Ones. So there's a lot of big, tough stuff. The Random Movers are great. Feldrax are pretty fast and pretty hard-hitting. Uh, I really like this list. I think it's, it's great fun. So then from Tom, Irredeemable. That's what they are. <laughs> hey! <laughs> I knew I'd remember it. <laughs> Did you look that up? 
Nope. <laughs> I just remembered Tom, it as I flipped over to Tom's list. I'll choose to believe you. <laughs> so, uh, Tom's list is, he's got a uh, Hierarch as his general, or with the Wizard Master on evocation, uh, Soul Conjure, and the Ankh, which is, uh, seems like it's just a cheap way to get Hierophant. Uh, yeah, five points cheaper than the actual upgrade. <laughs> Plus wow. a six up fortitude on the, li- on the unit. Yeah. <laughs> That doesn't seem pointed quite right. Well, it's uh, I agree with you, but it's, it comes out of magic. Guy <laughs> Welcome to the UT book. <laughs> uh, then you've got a second Wizard Master on Divination. Two Wizard Masters. Yep. Uh, which is an interesting take, because I've heard often that UD just don't make enough of their magic phase. That seems to be the prevailing view of them. Mm. So I yeah. have been upset that sometimes I only get two spells off a turn, so I'm just needed to up that. Uh, then a Nomark on Chariot with the Death Mask of Tippet and an Architect. Seven Skeleton Chariots, the good old Chariot unit with Stalker Standard and Legion Charioteers. Uh, Twenty Skeletons, 20 Skeletons with the Entombed Banner, so they'll be ambushing. Two Scorpions, uh, three Vultures, five Tomb Cataphracts, seven Shabti Archers. And then I think the more unique part of this list is the two units of three Sandstalkers, one with Underground Ambush. Uh, and those are those are really interesting. Don't see them very often, or haven't seen them very often recently in UD lists. So curious to see how they do. Uh, so this matchup, uh, there's quite a few um, there's quite a few rock paper scissors parts to it. The Sandstalkers clearly worry anything with uh, heavy armor with their AP10 ranged attacks, but warriors aren't terrible agility. So there's a lot of potential not to be too worried. They also rely on being able to move around their opponents. Paul's got a lot of random movers that make that difficult. So the same with the ambushers. They're looking for nice, uh, juicy backlines, which Paul doesn't really have a backline. Um, <laughs> so Wizard bunker hunters are kind of looking into empty space here. Sure. Yeah, exactly. So there, there's quite, there are quite a few um, elements that, that kind of cancel each other out, which is quite nice to see. So I think ultimately... Sorry, right, Ed, you can see it. I'm going to 20 it. I don't need to be polite because I'm here. <laughs> no, I, I think, think it'll be interesting to see. I think the strong... I mean, UD are a strong book. Their magic complements their play style and their units very well. Tom's obviously had a lot of experience playing with the book and with these lists, so I would probably give it to Tom. Uh, but I think it's not necessarily a... Definitely not a walkover for a UD list. Like Ed says, I think there's... It's quite nice, actually, in terms of a matchup, because there's a lot of things that cancel each other out. Um, so a lot of it will come down to what happens on the board. Um, but, I mean, you do are fucking filthy, aren't they? So, <laughs> <laughs> And I hear Tom's pretty handy. So uh, uh, how are Shabti so good for a start, right? Because that's, that's a unit that primarily shoots that will beat the shit out of most things in combat. It's just... Well, they've only got a one, so that's the weakness. But thankfully, Paul's bought a Warriors list without a ridiculous amount of armor. Yeah. So. <laughs> That worked out okay. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think it is pretty even on paper, uh, but I think that Tom's got a few more answers to Paul's stuff. I think the the master and divination could potentially do a lot of work here. Having been at the receiving end with monsters and div magic, you can just get stuff taken off you, left, right, and center. So that in combination with the evocation, where you've got you know the the snipe potential, but also the buffs, is very nice. And there's not a huge amount of you know, soft points here. A lot of stuff you can hold back. So yeah, I'd probably give it to... Sorry, Paul. I'll give it to Tom. That's cool. I'm giving it to Tom as well. <laughs> <laughs> I do one over on all of you here and throw the game. And okay. Then, uh, 
Uh, I think I'll probably back myself as well, to be to be honest with you. I think UD into Warriors is a good matchup in general. This isn't like the most stereotypical Warriors list, so I think it's not as sort of as good a matchup as the Warriors normally would be. The fact that you've got halberds on the big units that are great weapons, for example, like that's that's a problem for me because it's yeah. great to be, kill everyone before they go. Um, but now I can run chariot units into them, and then the unit will die before they actually get to swing. Um, so you're right, though. The, the Div Magic can take off those Forsaken, or you can just run into me and murder me with them. I played two events with Divination. One, it just killed the world. It was just, you know, almost every turn killing a monster, killing a Demon Prince. And then the second game, second tournament, they did nothing. Um, so it depends, I guess, how well the Div spells roll and whether you can get your Forsaken into me. Yeah, um, yeah they're, they're, they're a big problem. Just the grind attacks and things like that. But they don't about high toughness or armor, so... Oh, really? Okay. Paul, any thoughts? When I get steamrolled into the ground, yeah. <laughs> on my gravestone, you can put, Paul voluntarily signed up for this match. Good. <laughs> you kind of get why no one else volunteered. Yeah, I hear uh, you, Ed, did you Ed, came me? The, oh. Ed came into the chat and was like, does anyone want to play Tom? And it was fucking silence. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone read the list and was like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I asked Ed before the event, I was like, Ed, can I please play a Scot in the first round? Because I don't want to come all the way up to find another, you know, play Jordan, who lives in the south. <laughs> <laughs> and then I said, oh, yeah, if you, let me play any, any Scotsman. Uh, and if you want to give someone that wants some practice against UD, by all means. And apparently nobody wanted practice against UD. So. No, I, I definitely need practice against UD, as this will be my first ever game against UD. So okay. It will be a trial by fire. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it should be fun. We haven't played, so I always like I was just you know, like first games with new people really. There we go, everyone wins. <laughs> <laughs> See I got shafted twice by UD ETC, so I've got no interest in playing with them again. That's alright. <laughs> uh Okie dokie, so we'll give that one to Tom. Alright, Tom, over to you. Your matchup. Okay, so first of all we have Gareth who's Last year is Scotland vice captain and this year is I believe vice captain for New Zealand. He is um, also the reigning champion. From last year. And the champion, absolutely. And he has brought Vampire Counts. So he's got two Necromancers, both Adepts, one on Evocation and one on Alchemy. Then he's got a Vampire Count on a Zombie Dragon, who's also a Wizard Adept on Occultism. So three Adepts, no Masters. Uh, the Dragon's also got Obsidian Rock, Monster Hunter, Curse Medallion, and Halberd. Um, then he's got a Felwraith on a Skeletal Steed with a Great Weapon, eight Direwolves, three units of Skeletons, uh, two of them are 22, one of them are 23, all with Legion Banner and full command. Nine Barrow Knights, nine Spectral Hunters, four Ghasts, two Great Bats, a Dark Coach, and a Shrieking Horror. You look at it and you think, well, it's a bit of everything there. And it's a, it's a vampire list that you've got to play a lot in order to do well with. But I think Gareth been, has been doing well with it for, um, for a while, to be honest with you. Oh, sorry, I should probably mention Stephen's list before I start going into the matchup. <laughs> yeah, Gareth is going to win against no one. Um, <laughs> Uh, Stephen Dorning with uh, Orc Shaman, uh, Wizard Master on Shamanism, he's the general. A Forest Goblin King on a Scuttler Spider um, with the Battle Standard. A Goblin King on Gargantua. A Forest Goblin Witch Doctor also on a Scuttler Spider. 34 Feral Orc Edbashers. Two units of eight Forest Goblin Spider Riders. Ten Feral Orc Mounted Headbashers. Seven Feral Orc Mounted Headbashers three Goblin Wolf Chariots, and two Giants with Giant Clubs. I think it's three Goblin Wolf Chariots in one unit rather than three separate Goblin Wolf Chariots, but I'm not 100% sure. 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. I like the Goblin Orc and Goblin list. Like it's it's quite sort of themey and fluffy and it's got this kind of, you know, uh, feral orc feel to it with all the forest goblins around riding on their spiders and everything like that. But I don't really see anything in there that seriously threatens Gareth. There's no bolt versus take care of that dragon or the black coach. Um there's no um pyromancy to start burning away the ghasts. He's got the two units of mounted Ed Bashers, which are which can kick out quite a lot of attacks, especially with their paired weapons. They'll go through the skellies parry quite nicely. But I think that's you know big whoop then you're killing a load of skeletons. <laughs> you know, they're not particularly expensive. That's one of the strengths of Gareth Vampire Liz, that the points are spread so f- so far in it. Yeah. That there isn't a place that you can just point your army at and go and kill it. It's 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 an MSU vampire list. Which is an interesting one because obviously with vampires you've got so many bubbles you need to play with the, the general bubble and the um the, the the raised bubbles and all of that. So it'll be like I said, and Gareth needs to know what he's doing with it, and I think he does. Uh so I've got to give the win to Gareth here, despite Stephen's amazingly cool looking army and um and the theme. Okay. Ed, you've got experience with orcs and goblins. What are you <laughs> thinking here? Yeah, I mean I I really like Stephen's list. I think it's uh it's really fluffy. I don't. I don't know if it's as lacking in answers as Tom suggested. I think the mm-hmm. the Forest King on the Gargantula with the Omen of the Apocalypse. Between that, that will kick out quite a lot of decent attack. I think the thirty four Ed Bashers are easy to write. Not necessarily write off, but they're easy to underestimate. And I've always found them to be one of the best units around. Yeah. Get them into combat, and they will absolutely crush most combat units that that don't wipe them out before they swing. And I don't think there's that much here that would really stop them from uh, having a fight face-to-face. So I don't think that it's a case of either army walking over the other. But I agree that Gareth, being more used to that MSU style and, and being accustomed to use it, will probably swing the day in the end. Just a little bit of context for Ed and I's disagreement. The uh, tournament down in Bristol, I did list commentary for, and I said, I don't really like Ed's list. It seems a little bit random. And he was on table one, game three. So, uh... <laughs> Yeah. Unfortunately, I'd, I'd like got 11-10-10 in my last three games, so I just kind of slid down the, down uh, the table. Um, rise so high. Yeah. Yep, yep. But, okay. uh, yeah, no, I, I, I think there's a lot of legs in that list, uh, and I actually expect to see it Ba-dum-bum. do pretty Oops. well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Paul? Yeah, I actually quite like the Orcs and Goblin list. I like the range of magic he's got. He's got Shamanism and Pyromancy. Does he have Pyro? He's got an Adept on Pyro. Oh, is that the... oh, my apologies then. Sorry, I misread that. He's quite fast between the mounted stuff, the chariots, spiders pretty quick. He's obviously got the war cry doesn't really have any chaff. Or I guess, is that what the... the what are, at least one of the, the spider rats. And, uh, and if there's all three separate goblin chariots... Oh, he does, yeah, yeah. No, they're, they're, I'm pretty sure they're three. They're one unit of three. I think it'll be a pretty close game. So I think I'll give it to Stephen. Okay. To be controversial, if nothing else. <laughs> well, as a, as a vampire player, I'm looking at Stephen's list, and that unit of Ed Bashes is fucking terrifying. Because it goes through everything. There's nothing nothing in my list and nothing in Gareth's list that can really <laughs> fight them. So I think the Edbash are a massive issue. The, I think the problem is that Gareth is uniquely mobile for a vampire list and he can pick his targets and he can have stuff like the dragon and the Shrieking Horror supported by the uh, the Dark Coach kind of going on opposite sides of the table and taking lots of points. So it's almost <laughs> like a race to see who gets the most points because the Edbashers can kind of just go through everything they want 
but it's whether the dragon and the horror and uh, the Gareth's other bits and pieces can pick up more points along the way. I do think that Gareth will do it, but I think that'll be a really cool game to watch, actually. Sorry, what saves does the dragon have? Uh, it'll be three up. Three up armor? Yeah. Three up, three up, six up. Three up or four up, I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, but he's also distracting um, in combat, so it's stuff like if he goes into the Gargantula, like, that Gargantula's dead. He's got Monster Hunter as well. So. Yeah, he's very dead. <laughs> so there's really not anything in the list that the dragon's scared of going into, save the, the Feral Edbashers. But even if he goes into the Edbashers, like, he's probably alright. I mean, it's not ideal, but you could you could take a couple of rounds and wait for support to get there. So, yeah, I'll, I'll give it to, to Gareth. But I think that draws us, right? So 2-2. Two, two. Yeah, I went with, me and you went, me and you, Andrew, went with uh, uh, the vampires and then... The orc fanboys getting <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think I said Gareth would probably win it, but uh, I'm happy to plump for the orcs and goblins. I'll, I'll go with Steven. Okay. okay that was that... not mind gaming you like a boss. That was just me forgetting what you said. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that takes us on to the next matchup, uh, which is over cool. to Paul. Yeah. So we've got Spanish stallion Guillermo Bardera and his rats up against Hugh Scarlin's Kingdom of Equitin. I keep wanting to say ogres. It just doesn't look right. Or Dread Elves. He's a bit of an army slut just now. He's getting around. <laughs> so Guillermo has a general who's the wizard master on witchcraft with three dark shards. He's got a little cheap BSB with a scepter so he can hang about in the back of the unit. He's got the plague patriarch on the pendulum with occultism with putrid protection. He's got a very cool build. He's got a tyrant on a monstrous rat. He's basically 7 attacks, defensive skill 7, strength 5, AP 3, agility 7, and then you've got all the attacks from the rat as well, and he's 2 up a f- with a 4 up regen. Ooh. So, pretty good for less than 500 points. And then he's got big block plates, and then 3 big blocks of 1's a rat in arms unit, 1's slaves, 1's a vermin guard. He's got some plague disciples, a big unit of vermin hulks, 2 dreadmills, and 2 weapon teams with globe launchers. And Hugh has the obligatory duke, murder duke, on a peg, flying around, doing D3 wounds, and <laughs> generating D3, extra D3 attacks. D3 plus one wounds. Oh, sorry. D3 plus one wounds. How many, uh, Fuck that, how many wounds did your uh, peg duke do uh, on the weekend, Ed? About four. <laughs> <laughs> it was a one hit, though. You rolled the three. He, he, he went into some wretched ones, and then they made... Three out of five uh, fortitude saves. Yeah, boy. <laughs> it was a bad day. <laughs> That's the story He's... for another time. He still um... won. He still won. <laughs> yeah, like turn five. Um, so we've got the Murder Duke. He's got a damsel, Wizard Master on Druidism. He's got a Paladin BSB with Piety. Uh, six Knights Aspirant, three units of six Knights of the Realm, a big unit of 12 Knights of the Quest. Three units of five Yeoman Outriders, five Peg Knights with Banner Roland, and two Scorpions, which is an interesting addition. Hmm. So I think this is going to be quite a tight game in the sense that Hughes obviously got a fully mounted list. Everything's Swift Strides, Movement 8, so he's got quite a good charge range. I think for Guillermo to get some work done, he's going to need uh, his shooting to turn up, hopefully before combat hits. So because his range is only like 18 inches, which is basically Hughes, you know, as a 10-inch charge for his stuff, so that's kind of bringing him into the, the longer end of, this, of the charge range, I think it's going to come down to if you can get his charges off, 
before Guillermo can do the damage with his shooting and magic. I think it's going to go Hugh's way. Alternatively, if, if Hugh just is failing charges left, right and centre, I think it could be bad news and it could be a day for the rats. Um, the Dreadmills to D3 wounds to the pegs could be pretty bad. The pegs do have the banner rolling though, so they're going to have a 5-up save. And skirmish, um, so they'll be hitting them on fives. And... Yeah, I think it's either going to be a really tight game or it's going to be super swingy and someone's going to walk away with it. But um, I would say, if I have to give it to anyone, I'd give it to Hugh, just because he's got so many units that he's going to have to fail a lot of charges not to get things in. So I'll give it to the KOE, I think. Okay, so one vote for Hugh. Tom, any thoughts? I do like this Vermin Swarm list, to be honest with you, but that Duke is just... The problem is that the Duke is an answer to all the nasty stuff in the Vermin Swarm list. Yeah. So, yeah, like, Paul, you're completely right that this could be a really cagey game, and Hugh's charge range, while big, isn't massive, and you can kind of, like, dance out of range, you know, shooting range and decent charge range and stuff like that. Uh, Knowing Hugh, he's probably not going to be willing to, like, go for the big win or the big loss, if that makes sense. He's not going to want to throw I reckon it were he will play it more conservatively, which I think would probably favour him, to be honest, because it's it's KOE. You really you, you can win a game in a round just because you managed to get your alpha strike working well. So yeah. depending on is his chaff and how well the shooting rolls early turn. But I do think, like I said, that the the KOE list has more answers specifically for the vermin for swarm stuff. Um, so I probably yeah I, I agree with Paul almost complete one hundred percent. The other thing to say is Hugh's running Druidism, and there's nothing more infuriating than a yeah. KOE player regrowing his shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and shooting yours off. Like, he's got two scorpions, and yeah, that's only two yeah. golf. That could easily be a dreadmill with one wound left kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so two votes for Hugh. Ed? Well, I'm, t- I'm torn on this one. As a KOE player, I look at that uh, Vermin list and think, I really don't, I would not want to play that. Like those plague disciples, you can't charge those plague disciples safely with any of the small Knights of the Realm units because they get their toxic hits at agility ten. So they will take off probably most of that unit before it swings. So there's no safe way to charge them. The same with the dreadmills. If you want to charge the dreadmills with the the Duke on the Pegasus, you have to get close enough that they can shoot you. And they don't have fear, you're not getting the bonus to charging them. The ability to zone uh, the peg unit with the dreadmills doesn't just come from their shooting. It also comes from their ability to charge because yeah. that peg unit utterly crumbles on the if it's charged. So I'm actually looking at this and thinking this is probably one of the closer games that I can imagine because I don't see Hugh committing... I agree, I don't see Hugh committing big to this game. And unfortunately, Guillermo doesn't have the range to be able to pick off Hugh's army at distance. But I think unless one of them commits to it, it's probably going to be a small win. And it might even end up with Guillermo pushing Hugh back more that he can gain the secondary. So I'm going to go for a small win to Guillermo. I think if Guillermo had been running the list that he ran at Bristol with the Giselles and the double plague catapult and then the the bell and the pendulum, then this would easily be a massive win to to Guillermo. Um, However, because he's changed it up, there's there's a lot more squishier elements which has made them much more combat effective, but I think there's more points on offer now for lists like Hughes, which are more more mobile to take advantage of. But, I mean, the Dreadmills are brutal. And like Ed says, if they charge really any of the units, that's going to hurt like fuck. 
Maybe not the Knights of the Quest, because they've got the great weapons, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, they'll hire yeah. on the charge, but then they should be able to take care of it. I'm tempted to go Hugh, because I think Hugh can play the game more than Guillermo, if that makes sense. That you can kind of draw him out and pick the combats that he wants. But, I mean, even the rat, like, the Tyron, the monstrous rat, that's a big issue. That's a nice cowboy, I really like yeah. that. I mean, you're really kind of hoping that the scorpions do work, but they're not particularly reliable. I mean, obviously, if the Duke gets the charge on him, then that should be game over, but... Even that charge, though, that monstrous rat has fortitude four up. Yep, so exactly. So it's very, very easy to bounce off those things. I mean, you should still win, and you should still kill it, but it's a risk, and you have to commit to it, so... Yeah. We've all been there, where your opponent's got to make four four pluses, and then just passes all of them. <laughs> oh, we've been there, Ed. I can't remember that game. Can you? <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it to Hugh, but... I think it could definitely go either way. I think that's a really going to be a really interesting game in the day. Cool. Alrighty. So the next one is one of mine. So this is my second matchup, which is James's Ogre Cans against Kevin's Warriors of Dark Gods. So James, and all the years I've known James, <laughs> has not brought double Rocker Rock. So immediately I'm worried for his health. But his list is as follows. So he's got a Shaman General with Gut Roarer. Iron Fist, Wizard Master, Thaumaturgy, with the Ritual Bloodletter and Talisman of Shielding. He's got a Can BSB with Heavy Armor, Iron Fist, Ogre Crossbow, and Troll Eater. Troll Eater is just so good. Mm. Uh, he's got another Shaman with Iron Fist, Light Armor, Wizard Adept, Pyromancy, Book of Arcane, Mastery, for 350 points, which seems like a bargain. He's got a unit 10, Bruisers, Full Command, Pennant of the Great Grass Sea. He's got 24 scrap ones with bows, 20 scrap ones with throwing weapons, uh, Kit Kat, 3 units of 2 Yetis, 2 units of 6 Bombardiers with Musician, 5 Bombardiers with Musician, and a scrap to pull. So James has obviously been on the forum and seen that uh, Bombardiers are broken as fuck, and has taken 3 units of them. I read this and was like, James, you have sold out. <laughs> she has. <Yeah. laughs> In the other corner, we have Kevin, who's uh, bringing his beautifully painted Warriors of Dark Gods. Uh, and it is as follows. He's got a Chosen Lord on Chimera with wings. He's obviously not listened to our review of the Warriors book. Uh, <laughs> he's got the Favour of Wrath, the Luck of the Dark Gods, Talisman Shielding, and Burning Portent. There is another Chosen Lord, so he has been listening to the, the review. With BSB, with the symbol of Slaughter, Paired Weapons, and Pride. He's got a Sorcerer with Wizard Master, Alchemy, Plate Armor, Black Steed, and the Magical Heirloom. 17 Warriors, Full Command, Flaming Standard. 15 Barbs with Shields. 2 units of 8 Dogs, because why not? 6 Feldrax with Great Weapons and Musician. 5 Warriors with Great Weapons. And 2 Forsaken Ones, because he's playing Warriors. When I first read this, I kind of reviewed them last night when I was lying in bed. And I very quickly read through them and kind of went, okay, that's James's win. And then later on, I went back and looked over it. And actually, Kevin's actually really fast. And he's got a lot of threats that basically, if they get into combat, there's not a huge amount that James can do about it. So this is going to be an El Clasico of uh, James deploying deep and shooting Kevin in the face and hoping that he takes off enough, I think. Uh, stuff mm. like the, the Forsaken ones aren't really scared of anything in James's list, bar the magic. But even then, that's that's kind of touch and go. Uh, the Feldrax obviously don't want to get shot by, you know, whatever it is, 16 bombardiers, but at the end of the day, they'd be like hitting on fours, fives, then wounded on fives, so it's not the end of the, the world if they take a volley as long as James doesn't roll out of the box. But where the bombardiers will take a lot of points is stuff like the warriors and the knights, which should just get a blitz raid, 
But, you know, the Chimera is super fast, very agile, and has these basically free pick of targets. He'll go through just about everything on the list. So I think this is definitely one of the, the tighter games from the first round. As to who I'll go, I'll actually I'll go against my gut feeling at the start. I was going to give it to James, but I think I'll give it to Kevin. You're right, it's very close, I think. I think it's... Actually, if this was one of those games that was like later in a tournament, I'd probably give it to the Ogre player because yes, the Warrior yeah. has to commit hard in order to win, which is the kind of thing you might not want to do later on in the event if you're you know, a bit more precious about your you know, your result. Yeah. But first game, I can't see him not going for him, so I will go with Fortune favouring the Bulls and think that, yeah, the Warriors you know, shove everything up, hopefully the Ogre to a bad turn, and then you charge everything off. Hooray. Yeah. I don't think the Bombardiers are as big a threat to this list as to many others. The Feldrax will still have a 4-up armor save, or a 5-up armor save, maybe. It's not going to... I don't even think that's necessarily your prime target. But what James's list does very well is he has a lot of chaff, uh, a lot of ability to buy time for his list to do work. True. And those 10 bruisers, with the characters in them, those that's a big unit. And that will kick out strength 6 attacks. You know, they'll, they'll take a Forsaken one off. Yeah, the bunker is still an ogre bunker. Like, you probably still probably don't want to go near that. Just kill the bombardiers. Yeah, yeah, so I I think, yeah, I think it'll be probably quite small either way. I don't think, because unless, uh, you know, if, if obviously if one of them goes for it and rolls the other one, then yeah. uh, great. But I don't see, I don't see Kevin taking the ogre bunker, in which mm. case I think it'll be, I think it'll be a small win. I'm going to go for James. I know, plump for James. Oh, see, we're all going controversial now. This is where we find out about people. Okay, Paul, so you obviously play both armies, so what's your thoughts? I'm leaning towards the Warriors list. Towing the party line, eh? Yeah, (laughs) I'm obliged to stick with my brothers in arms. (laughs) I think, like you say, I think that what James should do is is give him one round of shooting and then charge him. And then I think the bomb with the ears aren't going to hold up to a lot of the stuff that's going to make it turn two. So... Chosen Lord on the Chimera. He's doing multi-wounds with that sword, which is beautiful against ogres. The Forsaken ones could be up in his face. The Feldrakes could be up in his face. Even the Knights are pretty quick. So I think if he takes the Bombardiers, then I think that's game over, really, because he's only really got that one block. And I don't think Kevin's going to charge that in the front. I think he's got the maneuverability where he can get in and around him. So either James is going to have to hang back and protect himself from that happening, in which case he's going to have to sacrifice a lot of other points, or he's going to have to commit, and just with the random movers, like, he's not going to be able to pin them down, so and with the general flying around on the Chimera I think that's going to be difficult, so I think it's going to go either he's going to march up and he's going to get shot in the face and it's going to go really badly or he's not going to do the damage and he's going to get smashed Okay, Um, so you think big win either way? I think... Yeah, I think it's got the potential to be a solid win for either player. It just depends on, on the shooting. What AP do Bombardiers do? Are they AP2? AP2, AP2. yeah. So the Feldraks have a 4-up a save, so that'll go to a 6-up. But um, they are, what strength are Bombardiers? 4. So they're winning on 5, so... The lack of agility, I don't think, really hurts the Feldraks in that fight with the, with the Bombardiers in combat. So if they get in, I think that's, that's a lot of points he's given up. Yeah. That's 1,400 points. I really like the Yetis, though, for Chaff, James yep. Scott. They're really, really good. So, like you say, he'll maybe just... He'll maybe try and sacrifice the kind of smaller stuff and buy himself, you know, another turn or two of shooting, in which case that might be enough. And then he can send the bruisers in to clean up, but I would give it to Kevin, I think. 
I think it's going to be a harder game for James. I think it'll be an easier game for Kevin. Okay. So Kevin takes that one for uh, three to one, rather. Okay, okay. Right, Ed, you've got the most important game of the, the first round. Oh yeah, I've got Rob's game, right? Yeah, uh, it is Rob's game, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so this is uh, Rob versus our very old lost cause. Yeah. So okay, so Rob's got a feral orc shaman uh, as his general, He's a wizard master with pyromancy or shamanism. Uh, with the panel of protection pinching, which is just such a fun item. Uh, he's got the Iron Orc Chief as his BSB, who will have a one-up armor save. Uh, he's got a common goblin witch doctor, wizard adept on witchcraft, which will make for all sorts of fun shenanigans. And he's got the skull fetish, which is obligatory. He's got 20 common goblins with bows. He's got 26 feral orc ed bashers, uh, full command paired weapons, and the mammoth stabber. He's got 20 feral orcs with bows and spears. He's got three wolf rider chaff units. He's got two single wolf chariots. He's got 27 iron orcs with champion Thunder bear, green tide banner. He's got a great green idol, not as a BSB, but just as a great green idol, which is great fun. And then he's got two git launchers. Up against that, we've got... He's got his vampire count as his general. He's knight's crown, so he's a four-up, four-up. Blessed inscriptions, destiny's call. So you know he's he's kitted out. He can he can hold his own in combat. Vampire courtier who can give stubborn to one unit, which is really nice. Uh, as BSB, that's with occultism and an apprentice on occultism. Essence of mithril, two up armor save. He's got necromancer, evocation wizard master with the crystal ball. He's got two units of direwolves, eight direwolves, two units of twenty zombies, twenty nine skeletons, full command, flaming banner. Five Barrow Knights Musicians, two times two Great Bats, ten Wraiths, two Shrieking Horrors, and a Varkalek. So I've recently played against Sanders' list, so I know that one pretty well. It is legit. It is, it is a fun list, but I like your list. I do think that this has your least favourite thing, though, which is multiple blocks of big, decent infantry. Yes, it mm. does. <laughs> <laughs> the Git Launchers potentially we'll find some decent targets in the Varks or the Horrors. So I would expect one, if not two of them to come off to the Git Launchers over the course of the game. Your evocation is definitely a threat to things like the Great Green Idol. But yeah, I, I suppose it's a question of can you chaff and shriek off enough of those infantry units that they won't arrive to be fully intact? Yeah. Can the Vark get round the back into the infantry or into through some of the smaller units, which it can definitely terrorise? I think it'll depend on how you, how you guys both approach this game. Rob could potentially hold back a bit and try and pick off at range, but ultimately you've got quite a bit of mid-range threat that will begin to pressure him, so you'll have to commit one way or another. So I, I, I think I'll give it to Rob and be nice to the Orcs and Goblins. Okay. Andrew, are your vampires not mounted? No, they're on foot. I wish they were mounted against this list. Yeah, it'd be great. Um... I, I, yeah, it's not ideal for you though. But in a, fun, like a funny way, it's not—it's unideal in the way that you know that you're not going to be able to wander over there and just smash him. So yeah. you'll play defensively, and I don't necessarily know if he's got the tools to rush at you either. Like because you do have the threats, you do have again these raids to the shrieking horrors. These they can just one-shot his nasty stuff. So he'll have to play fairly tight as well. 
So I could see you winning this if you play cleverly, if you're a, if Rob overextends because he's confident and you're able to pick off some of the things. And again, it's I this is a personal bias that I really hate artillery. I, I think that it's sometimes it'll win you the game turn one, other times it'll blow up and just be completely waste of points and you've lost the threat completely. So if his artillery does well and starts to take off your shrieking horrors, then yeah, that's a problem. But if you are able to just get the shrieking horrors into a decent position, you can just start murdering his threats left right center so i'm gonna i'm gonna plump with you i'm gonna say that you are gonna play this game incredibly well pull it out of your ass and send it back to wales i mean <laughs> that's very nice of you but <laughs> i would be born <laughs> against me <laughs> paul any thoughts well i played rob at the bristol tournament and rob beat me so i feel compelled to give it to you um <laughs> But it'll be an interesting game. It's a very different list from what he, he, he brought to Bristol. He's got a lot of things that he can throw at you that I feel like you have to deal with because you can't let his chaff get in the way, right? So your things like the wraiths that are doing the the reaping and, and the horrors that are have got their screams and stuff, I think that level of damage could be focused on one of his big things and could do a lot of damage. But I don't know if you can ignore things like the chariots and the goblin raiders because these are the things that are going to like pin you in place and allow him to get the charges that he wants which is going to cost time so Mm. i'm not sure i think this will be pretty close game i think you can definitely get points out the list i think it just depends on what he kills before he gets to your your bunker um or if he gets to your bunker i'll maybe give it to rob i think i'm fucked (laughs) i think pyromancy is a concern as well which i didn't mention that he should run pyromancy, and that means the race have to fairly honest. <laughs> yeah, I that means the race have to be dead immediately. Yeah, the race <laughs> need to not play the game. Yeah. Uh... Well, yeah, but that, that's what, that's what I'm saying. So you you play your race defensively, get them out of line of sight, hide them. So if he comes and you know aggressively at you, all of a sudden you go mew, and then zip round and murder someone. I just think there's there's so much there. Like big blocks of infantry are a nightmare. I just, I think I just need the horrors to do a lot of work, and I, he shouldn't let the horrors do a lot of work because he's got the tools to kind of restrict them. I really wish I hadn't told Rob to go fuck himself or whatever I did in the last episode. <laughs> he's he's going to kick the shit out of me now. <laughs> there will be no mercy. Nah, ah, fuck it. It'll be fun. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I would vote for Rob though. <laughs> I would one hundred percent vote for Rob. <laughs> You, you should definitely try and bait him into doing uh, aggressive and stupid things, though. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so Rob, I hear your shit. What are you going to do about that, Rob? Huh? Huh? Oh, you're going to table <laughs> me. All right, cool. Awesome. Good game. <laughs> no, yeah. He does have uh, a nice magic setup. He's got witchcraft as well. I know. Oh, witchcraft is so good. I've never, ever rolled it on my wizarding hat. And, like, you know that's true because you're not going to forget the time that you do that to get to come <laughs> thing with... A chariot style, but alas, it's never happened. It was uh, Ryan Caps was saying that he ran it for something like sixty odd games last year and didn't get it once. Wow! Yeah. But now he's playing Vampire and uh, uh, Empire. Yeah, and he's like three or four times in the last, <laughs> and he's got no use for it whatsoever. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I think apart from Tom being very nice, we're mm. going to give it to Rob. Okay. Mr. Vark is just going to be sitting on uh, War Machine Hunt. Mr. Vark's going to go for it. Well, basically, I'll know how the game's going to go at the end of turn one, because <laughs> if he hasn't taken lots of things off, then it's game on. But 
I just feel like I've got, I need a lot of things to go well, and that's going to be difficult. What's hmm. your race potential with this list? Oh, well, so normally, I mean, without giving away the game, the Count has the arcane knowledge, so he gets the hereditary plus three inches on his bubbles as standard. So he's yeah. got a raise, the Necro's got a raise, and then the, the courtier can either take an, uh, an occultism spell or can take a raise. So, little spoiler in this one, she's going to be taking a raise. <laughs> <laughs> so that means that, I mean, it's it's actually quite difficult to one-shot anything in the list, because I will yeah. be able to heal it. But it's definitely not as resilient as it was in terms of raising when I had the the double Necro. Because the Gates of the Netherworlds is just so good for... The horrors in particular, because you get that extra wound when you're raising. But, I don't know. We'll wait and see. We'll see. We'll see yeah, yeah. I believe, man. I've never played Rob either, so that'll be good fun. He's a really good guy. He's a really nice guy. Yeah, love, lovely, lovely opponent. Alrighty. So, moving on. Tom, you're up next. So, I kind of want to say that we have an ogre list against a Sylvan Elf list here. Because <laughs> they both are pretty, like, diverse. In, but also kind of just say what they do on the tin. So we've got John T. with Ogre Khans. He's got a Shamanism Master, a BSB with Cult Leader, a Mammoth Hunter, the leader of the pack, and Scout. Three units of three bruisers, one unit of nine tribesmen, five mercenary vets with Ogre Pistols, Accurate and Poison, two Kitty Cats, one Kin Eater, one Thunder Cannon, six Bombardiers, and then one Rock or Rock. And then we have... Uh, Tim Ross with Sylvan Elves, and he has a Dryad Ancient, who's his general, on Druidism with the Oaken Crown, a Forest Prince on Great Elk with Deep Breath, Wild Hunt to Kindred, <laughs> Blessed, Curse of the Black Stab, Talisman of Shielding, Light Armor, Sylvan Longbow, Elven Cloak, and Great Weapon. So I think that's about mm, a billion attacks when he charges, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have a Chieftain with Blade Darts to Kindred, BSB, uh, Hunter's Honor, and the Ether Icon. Druid Shamanism Master. Gosh, you've got a lot of points in characters. Then he's got two units of five Heath Hunters, one with the Flaming Banner, 11 Sylvan Archers, nine Dryads, ten Dryads, six Huntsmen, 13 Blade Dancers with the Ether Icon, four Thicket Beasts, two units of five Pathfinders, and a Forest Eagle. So, it doesn't look particularly good for the Sylvan Elves in general. The, he's got a nice trick with the Blade Dancers. Because he's got the BSB in there as well, so that'd be double Aether Icon. So yeah. it does almost immune to magic, which is nice if you were to be playing Pyro um, or anything really. You know, again, even Shamanism is not not ideal for them. Uh, with the uh, wait, hold on, is it Shamanism or Druidism that's got the flock of crows? Shamanism, isn't it? Yeah, it's one of the six. Yeah, so that's that's not going to be great um, for those blade dance under norms and curations. But because they've got the Aether Icon, they really should be making it to combat. He's only got the six bombardiers to start shooting them down. So the the, the like the diversity of the ogre list is, I think, kind of going against a bit here. You know, that if he had double rock or rocks instead, then he can just zone for days and the elf arrows will ping off him. If he had double bombardiers, then he'd just be able to set up this sort of weird cone of death you tend to see and just shoot off any elves that get in. As it is, he seems to have not, not quite enough stuff to really just punish the elves. However... Other than the Blade Dancers, nothing that the Elf has, oh, and that horrific cowboy. There isn't too much that the Ogres are worried about, frankly. Um, you know, the mercenary veterans with their pistols, they don't like too many uh, skirmishing targets, but they'll beat up anything in combat in you know, that Elf list. So it's kind of hard to see past the Ogres, really. But I know that it's 
the, the Wood Elves and Wood Elf players in general tend to be very good at mitigating bad matchups, um, unless they're playing against Pyromancy, which isn't here. So I'd say Ogre Kingdoms, but Tim could pull it off. And again, just like I'm plugging for you to do, Andrew, just play the, <laughs> and what looks like a bad matchup just sort of falls his way. Because again, that that oh the uh, the character and the blade dancers they can they will they can kill a lot of stuff, and they're going to have to because nothing else will be alive. So yeah, big okay. big win for you. Paul. Any thoughts? Blade dancers are bent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, apart from apart from the blade dancers and maybe the the wild huntsman unit. They can dish out quite a lot of high agility attacks on the charge. Yeah, and the character, obviously, I, I don't really see a lot there that Jaunty should be worried about. I think he should just pick his targets and shoot them off. Yeah, I don't think he's got much that can really go the distance. Like, ogres are so big and tough that I, I don't think... I mean, he's, one good thing he's gone for his list is that he's got his points so well spread out. So even if Jaunty does have to focus something out, then he's not actually getting a lot of points on that turn for maybe only one or two units. But saying that, I don't know really what Tim's got to, to push at him to, to try and get points back. He's got three archer units, two of which are only five man units, so he's unlikely to do a lot from range. Yeah, I, I think I think that's Jaunty's game to lose. So are we thinking that Jaunty basically sets up, kind of not deep, but sets up basically looking to put pressure on from range and invites yeah. Tim to come forward because he doesn't need to commit? hundred percent. Yeah, okay. I think you guys are way underserving the Sylvan Elves. The the range on the Pathfinders, for example, they will pick off pretty much anything they want to. The saber the Sabertooth Tigers will die. They can put pressure on the Bombardiers much better than the Bombardiers can put pressure back on them. The uh, Wild Huntsmen with the character in them, the Blade Dancers with the character in them, those are pretty significant combat threats. I've underestimated Blade Dancers in the past. I put two units, two lances of knights into them. One Grail Knights, one Knights of the Realm with the Impact Hits banner, and I bounced and lost combat in two turns. So <laughs> I've done this matchup against Tim Ross and against a very similar list. I know he knows how to play it very well, and I wouldn't necessarily put his... Uh, I wouldn't necessarily put John T's shooting and range threats as as vastly stronger than Tim's. So I think if it comes down to a pure shoot-off, I'm not sure that John wins that over time. And if it comes down to one threat versus the other, I think it could be quite a close game. I would I would give this to Tim. I think Tim's got the skills to to make it make it work. Uh, that English England on top is as good as yours. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I've got to be different. I can't just follow the line. <laughs> yeah, I was no, no, about to like, you know, could, could chat back on a few of those, but I don't think it's, uh, it's worth it. Yeah, maybe, but I don't necessarily think that the 10 Pathfinders are going to be able to... Yeah, whatever. That's your prediction. I've got my prediction, and well, I'll see you on the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'd probably have to go with the Ogres. I take Ed's point. I, I mean, a, a big part of it comes down to Jaunty's target prioritization as well and what he can actually get at. Because stuff like, if the Huntsmen run out, they're probably only going to be in a shootable, you know, shootable position for a turn. The issue is, is that if Jaunty's got, you know, anything left in his army that shoots, it'll, they'll pretty much be fucked. Mm. So I know, I, I know a thing about the blade dance as well. Is like you see thirteen blade dance, you think, fuck those guys, that's nothing, and then they're somehow still there at the end of the game and eating stuff. But yeah, I think I'd have to agree with Tom about, you know, kind of Jaunty just needs to sit back, use that Rocker Rock as the big threat, because the only thing he really wants fighting the Rocker Rock is the um, the Grey Elk guy, and basically use him as your zoner, 
and that just put pressure on from range. So yeah, I think I'll I think I'll have to give it to John T. So Paul, you're up next. I'm up next. This is the Battle okay. of the Ages. Battle of the Ages. Yeah. Okay. Battle of the Ages apparently is Nicholas Armitage and his Beast Herds versus Barry Lynch and Vampire Covenant. So Nick is bringing a, a Minotaur Warlord, aka Andrew's Nightmare. That guy is a dick. <laughs> <laughs> so he's rocking paired weapons with Agor's Affliction, Blizzard Inscriptions, Crown of Horns, and Potion of Swiftness. So he is getting all the rerolls. Very cool builds. He's also got a Beast Shift in BSB, who's a great Minotaur bearer. He's got two Soothsayers, both Adepts, one on Druidism, one on Shamanism, three Raiding Chariots, and a unit for Core. He's got two units of 18 Wild Horn Herd with Ambush, Throwing Weapons. He's got two units of six Minos, Prepared Weapons, two Razor Tusk Herd, 16 Long Horns, and a Razor Tusk Chariot. And for the Vampires, <laughs> Barry has gone classic <laughs> Barry. Classic. And has, has basically got two vampire characters that cost <laughs> over half the list. <laughs> Both um, are fucking scary as hell on paper. Holy shit, by the way. He's got one who's the general who's on a, a steed who has the dead arise. He's an adept on occultism, Brotherhood of the Dragon. He's got Eternal Duelist, Play Armor, Legend of the Black King, Obsidian Rock, and True Thirst. And the second count is also on a steed who is also an adept on occultism, Brother of the Dragon. Um, he's got Monster Hunter, Play Armor, Shield, Great Weapon, Blizzard Inscriptions, Cursed Medallion, and Death Cheater. So basically, both of these guys are like strength 6, strength 7, re-rolling to wounds and to hit most of the time with like a 1-up, 4-up. Then he's got 2 units of 8 dire wolves, 34 ghouls, 2 units of zombies, 8 wraiths, 1 unit of 6 vampire knights, and 7 spawns. So, I want to say this is just going to be a win for the vampires, because if that knight unit hits even the, the minotaur unit, minotaur warlord unit, I think it just gets taken off. I think the spawn and the knights should be fast enough to get the charges they want, probably into the minotaur blocks. Saying that, I really like the magic that Nick's got on the list, and if he does have a strong magic phase and he's stacking druidism, shamanism, and potentially totems, then beasts are really hard to shift and if those vampires don't take off that Minotaur Lord he could very well take one of them with him ask Andrew, that guy is fucking nasty Yeah, yeah. I don't think the beast herd list has enough threats though I think the problem that Minos have is just their low agility and because Barry's got speed and the agility on the lists to strike first I think they just get taken off so my gut feeling is that Barry should win that. I mean, there's certain elements in the list that I do like that Nick has. Like I say, the magic's good. I really like the the unit of three chariots. I think that could be used to quite good effect if he manages to get into something to soften up. I don't think Barry's going to be raising much with this list, so <laughs> if he can actually, you know, start doing wounds on things like the, the spawn, if he can get some charges off, then he can maybe take points, but I think it's going to be a harder game for Nick than it will be for Barry. So I'm going to give it to Barry, I think. This is a contender for fastest game. (laughs) (laughs) Barry, if if Barry doesn't sit there and drop for first immediately based on everything and move everything as fast as possible towards the uh, the Beast Herd's army, then it's not the Barry that I know and love. (laughs) (laughs) 
I played Beast Heads for a while, and it's, you, they just don't have an answer to one of the vampires, and he's got two. Um, and then there's the Vampire Knights as well, which are... I mean, because he won't run in the Vampire Knight unit. He doesn't need to. Yeah. They'll probably be cowboying out just... The Minotaur Warlord is a brute. He is an absolute tank, and he's probably the best op. But he's got two vampires to kill, and um, it's a little bit iffy against one. So, yeah, I've got to give this to Barry as well, I'm afraid. Although uh, the, um, the scenario does come into play, because Beastmen are fantastic, as, and this is a good list for the, for the objective. So, while I think Barry will, will win points-wise, if uh, Nick does a decent job of essentially fleeing with everything, those <laughs> chariots are a nice threat as well. Those, those, the vampires don't really want to get charged by all the impact hits. So, if he can kind of zone well and pinch the objective, he could do all right, but I don't think it's going to be enough, and I think Barry will still win. So, I will say having run the Peg Duke build into that Minotaur Warlord and bouncing and getting murdered by him, that uh, killer characters can definitely uh, suffer against that Minotaur. The Resilience 6 uh, and the 4-up uh, Fortitude, if you don't have anything flaming, is such a... It's, it's just quartering the number of wounds that you're actually getting through. And then on top of that, with the options in terms of magic... I also think something like the Blackwing Totem, for example, can come into play quite heavily here. You've got Minotaurs who are already movement six. Uh, they'll get plus one to charge from the Razor Tusk Chariot if they're nearby. So suddenly that unit that was, oh, this is just a movement six uh, monster infantry unit is movement 10 or something like that, which is a pretty terrifying zoning threat. So I think there's definitely potential there if Barry was to push too hard and too fast. And also, if either of the Minotaur units, well, any, is he running two or is he running three? He's running two this time. But yeah, if either of them gets into the back line, they'll sweep up absolutely everything there. Barry doesn't bit... have a back line. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's true, it's true. There's so much in the other stuff that, um... yeah. so yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's an interesting matchup, but I think probably just because of the mobility, I would give it to the vampires. Yeah. So, I agree. I think I'd go Vampires, but that Mino Lord, just to repeat what everyone else has said, has played him, <laughs> is an absolute cunt. And he regularly beats the shit out of my Vampires. Like, I've played, like, the Super Kelly Lamia Vampire on the, the court with the Strength 10, EP 10 weapon that you debuff them in the duel. He had, like, four attacks. He did six wounds to me with, <laughs> with Divine. So, I died horribly. Um, it's just like, he's such a bobag. Out of the two counts, he definitely wants the, the Fortitude one going into him. Because uh, Nick doesn't have the Flaming Banner, does he? No. So at least yeah. he gets a save. So that'll be nice. But the issue is with the Mino Lord is he'll strike first anyway, because he's got the potion. So I'd be very scared of that Mino Lord if I was playing these vampires. But like what you were saying, Barry doesn't even need to fight that unit, really. He can just put the two vampires out, running about, and he can have the knights running about, the spawn running about, the race will maybe do something this game. I would be surprised if they just kind of fuck about in the back. And if Nick wants to run forward and take out some dogs, some zombies, and even the ghoul block, that's kind of like acceptable losses because then the vampires are getting around and basically picking their targets until only that Mino Lord's going to be left. So, yeah, I think this is definitely in Barry's advantage, but if something goes wrong or there's a failed charge that leaves something exposed, I think that Mino Lord could actually win Nick the game by himself. But I would have to say, go with Barry. I do like that we all seem to just be rooting for the Mino Lord. Yeah, it's just him, really. <laughs> Not the Beast of Army, just that. 
Alrighty, so that was, we think bye for that one. Okay, so the next matchup is myself. This game sees our very own Tim Botnick with his Beast Herds up against Gary Quirk, Vampire Covenant. Now I know what you're thinking, Gary Quirk, Vampire Covenant, what's going on? Glad you asked, because Gary is running uh, a Strigoi list. So he's got a Vampire Count, this is General, Strigoi, he's got the Ghoul Lord upgrade, he's a Wizard Adept, Halberd, Touch Greatness, Hypnotic Pendant, which is just so good on Strigoi. Uh, he's got the Push of Swiftness. He's got a Vampire Courtier, who's obviously Strigoi as well. He's gone with the Bestial Bulk Upgrade, Wizard Apprentice, Shamanism and Halberd. He's got a Necro, Wizard Adept, Evo. He's got 34 Ghouls, Champion, Vanguard. He's got 11 Ghouls, 10 Ghouls, 2 units of 8 Direwolves. Hasn't taken Champions on them. Gary, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> he's got a Dark Coach, Extended Chassis, 7 Gas with Champion, and he's copying me with 2 Horrors. And I, in turn, copy Jack Austin, so we're all good. Um, Tim, on the other hand, has got his usual shenanigans uh, with slight tweaks. So he's got the Soothsayer General, Wizard Addict, Druidism, Colonel Horns, Seed of the Dark Forest. He's got another Soothsayer, but Wizard Master this time, the Shamanism, Talisman of the Void, and Dark Rain, because why not? He's got a Mino Chieftain BSB, Greater Totem Bear, Heavy Armor Shield, Ghost of Guard, Obscuring Fog, which I had to look up because I've never seen that before. It takes away agility. Lucky Charm. He's got two units of 40 Mongrel Herds, Full Command, Spears, Banner of the Wild Herd. A unit of 10 Raiders, two tens of Longhorn, uh, two fives of Hounds, two uh, Piggies, two Gortax, and two Giants, with a big brother upgrade and uprooted trees. I mean, guys, this is very strong. It does scoring actually quite nicely because you've got your big ghoul block and you've got the two little ten-man ghoul units, and then the gas becomes scoring as well because you put the courtier with bestial bulk in there, um, and then the horrors. How I would play this is that you've got like your, all your ghoulie stuff that sits at one side and pushes forward, and your dark coach basically goes off on a jaunt with the two shrieking horrors because it's given them autonomous, and that makes the shrieking horrors really terrifying to a lot of armies because you really can't predict where they're going to go. It's something I've thought about quite a lot, and I think that's actually very tasty. There's a couple things that, like, I don't really understand. Like, he could have just given the courtier the triple march banner, and then given the two little ghoul units vanguard, because then that would allow them to grab objectives and things like that. And the big block still marches up 15 turn one. So I think he's he's maybe missed a trick there, but overall this is a very solid list, and I like it a lot. But he's going up against the shenanigan master himself, and I would be very surprised if that ghoul block sees combat that isn't against something dog shit. <laughs> Tim doesn't have quite the quantities of chaff that we've seen in the past for him, but he's done what he does very well, and he makes everything expendable in the army. And he's got two Gortax, which will basically fancy their chances against most things. Obviously, he doesn't want to get two horrors screaming at one at a time without a counter charge, but it's still it's basically a pretty good game for the Gortax, as long as they watch what they're doing. So I've gone with Tim to win, because I just don't think that that ghoul block will be able to play the game that he wants, and then he's really only got to worry about the shrieking horrors. And although the horrors have got tasty targets in the Gortax and the Giants, Tim just has so much shit. And even, you know, like if the Mongrel Herd go into the shrieking horrors, or like that's not ideal, but it'll hold them down, it'll sneak wounds through, and then Gary does not have a lot of magic, and that's one area of the game where he'll really struggle, I think, especially with heals. So... I've gone with Tim to win this one. But I think, I mean, it should be a small win to Tim, I think, providing that nothing goes terribly wrong. 
I don't like ballpark. My rolling six is a little bit. So you broke up a little bit there, but basically you don't like Gortax because they need to. They're too reliant on rolling sixes. Exactly, <laughs> and I think they're just a bit for that. Um, okay. Because if they don't roll sixes, then they're really shit. Basically, the Tim's list doesn't do what these herd do incredibly well. It doesn't have any ambushes, so he's not got that amazing scoring presence that other beastmen lists do. And for that reason, I can't support him winning because it's against the beastmen. <laughs> uh, I've got to be solid with my came for the forest guys. And no, I, I like the ghoul list uh, again. Like that's a really cool fluffy list, isn't it? It's like the the orc one from my first one. It, it, it just if you think about a Strigoi list, what should it look like? Yeah. Basically this. And I just approve of that again. So you've got on the one hand, you've got the insanely unfluffy, he does he has his mongrel do his fighting, nobody's being sneaky beast herds. And then you have the <laughs> right from the zombie shop, so the ghoul shop vampires. So go go vampires in my opinion. Okay. In reality though, I think the Shrieking Horrors are a nightmare for the monsters, frankly. Yeah. Uh, and that that pain. You're right though that Tim doesn't have as much chef as he normally does, and again, like I said, he doesn't have the scenario presence, so I think he might get a little bit hemmed in potentially. I think actually, you know what, first turn's really big in this. One of them's able to get first turn and spread out well, like you mentioned the vampires like spreading out and the beast herd can spread out well, kinda of get around the opponent, then they're on the front foot. So I think first turn is really big, um, but I would probably just give it to the vampires. Okay. Paul, any thoughts? I think on paper, I'd give it to the vampires. Okay. But having played against Tim and watching Tim play, I think Tim's very good at taking advantage of someone when they make a mistake. Yeah. And I think Tim will always leave himself with opportunities whereby he's given himself those kind of options. So I think Tim will go into this game with a plan of how to play it and Tim's obviously a very good player. In my mind, Tim might be looking at this matchup like a small loss, but that could totally turn on its head if Gary makes a mistake, and I think Tim will be prepared for that. So I'll give it to the Vampires, but I'm not going to be surprised if Tim gets a good win out of this game. Okay, that's fair. Tim, very good player, and you, you know, you've always got to kind of factor that in. Yeah. Ed? I think I'm probably... With the Beast Herds, I think I agree with you. Uh, I think if you can zone or neutralize the, the Shrieking Horrors at all, and you know that's a that's an auto swarm of insects every single turn. Oh, 100%. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A Shrieking Horror. And, you know, unless the magic is purely focused on raising, then that starts to take a toll over the course of the game, even bringing on um, Totemic Summons to mess with some of the, the smaller stuff. So... Yeah, I think I think those mongrel herds with the benefit of the banners, with the rerolls, and with the magic support, those, I mean, they're just so many attacks, and that's really what makes them dangerous. So even against something like ghouls, with enough support, you would expect the mongrel herds to actually win out that combat. Oh, I don't know about that. I think the ghouls would wipe the mongrels. Those mongrels are fierce. Like, you get one, yeah. you get battle focus on them. Yeah. And they built-in rerolls to hit. They're going to be strength 4 for that round, and there's a 8 million attacks on them. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think you're right, Andrew. That, that That's the problem, though, that people look at mongrels and think, oh, they're not very good. They'll kick the shit out of you. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I think I think that, obviously, the, the ghouls is the big threat uh, in terms of the the units, apart from the Shrieking Horrors. So, I, I, I just, I think I would back Tim to be able to isolate certain things uh, and be able to take them off. And even if 
Gary was to push at him, I think he would have responses to that. So, oh. uh, yeah, I think I would back Tim on this one. How many totemic summons is Tim going to have on the board? Seven. By the end of the <laughs> At least. He's literally going to have more than he should. It's going to be ridiculous. Yeah. Every time I go over there, there's always tons of these little bastards running around. I'm like, how are you getting these? But this is why shamanism is such a strong lore, because you've got two spells that people will either just let you get off to avoid to get to the other stuff, or they will stop automatically. So that's Swarm Instrux and Totemic Summon. When yeah. in reality, the majority of the time, Tim will be looking to get buffs off. So yeah. it's so powerful in a magic phase to be able to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I love Totemic Summon so much, and it, it's the one reason that I'm happy having Shamanism back at the moment, is that it's just a great way to start every magic phase. Let's go, here's four dice, here's a Totemic Summon. Now you make your decisions as to what you do with the rest of my magic phase. Exactly, yeah. Absolute contender for best spell in the game. Like, yeah. It's free stuff that can get points and doesn't cost any points. Like, yeah. Yeah. Can chaff, can shoot things off. It's great. Love it. And it's got a breath weapon because why not? <laughs> uh, okay, so that's actually a draw. Ooh, yeah, it was me and uh, uh, me and Paul going for the vampires, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's okay. Okay. Right, uh, Ed, your next matchup. I think I've got uh, Martin Bueno on, sorry, in Ancients versus Jack Austin on Undying Dynasties. Um, so our own Martin, the salt miner, running the... Uh, he's got Saurian Warlord uh, on foot, general with heavy armor, death cheater, blessed inscriptions, potion swiftness. He's got a Coatl Lord running quite an interesting combination, the Sphere of Shielding and Protean Potentate. So he's got a two-up Aegis against anything ranged and absolutely nothing in combat. So he'll be running all over the place. Which is a really interesting setup. I don't see it very often. And against Jack, who has multiple, or at least one ambushing unit, that'll be, uh, <laughs> that'll be an interesting game. Catch the uh, <laughs> Skin Captain on an Alpha, ter- Alpha Pterodome, which is quite a nice little cheap cowboy. 25 Saurian Warriors with the Piranha Totem, Flaming Standard. He's got two units of Skink Braves, 15 of them, 2 times 5 Chameleons. Uh, he's got a Salamander and two individual Spearbacks. And then he's got three Taurosaurs, all with giant blowpipes. And then against him, got Jack on UD. So he's got a Hierarch as his general, Wizard Master on Divination with the Soul Conduit and Sacred Hourglass. He's got another Hierarch as his Hierophant, who's uh, Wizard as an Adept on Evocation. Uh, with the Book of Arcane Mastery. He's got Pharaoh on a Skeleton Chariot, Great Weapon, God Slayer, Jackal's Blessing, Great Aspen Bow. He's got Tome Architect with the Crown of the Wizard King, which is a pretty popular combination. And then he's got Standard Seven Chariots with Legion Charioteers. He's got two times five Skeleton Scouts, 20 mu- uh, Skeletons with Musicians, two times five Cataphracts, Champion Musician, three Cataphracts with Underground Ambush, and two Charnel Catapults. So I was trying to work out exactly what was what was going to happen in this game. Three Taurosaurs, obviously, for Martin is is a great combination. But then the Cataphracts are are such a great combat unit, and Taurosaurs, for all they do really nasty things in the charge, they do struggle to get the charge off against anything that's faster than them. Mm. Meanwhile, you've got Chariot unit that does its thing incredibly well, and. Even things like the chameleons, which will struggle against UD because all of their 
protection against being shot disappears, and they're very prone to getting shot off by cheap skeleton shots from scouts or chariot riders. So yeah, I think looking at the magic setups, Martin will struggle to zone Jack, uh, or to um, chaff Jack as well as he would like. And I think I think that Jack will probably be able to take advantage of that. And the Tomb Cataphract Strength 5? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The uh, snakes have three strength five with poison. The guys on top have two strength five with lethal. <laughs> Sexy sauce. Yeah. So I think those units just take Taurosaurus if they get the charge, which they, they yeah. should. Oh, okay. Right, Tom, as our resident UD expert, what do you think? Um, I have a question about the protein potentate. Is that... Um... Druidism. All the druidism. All the druidism. Okay, I thought it was um, like uh, you, you protein magic, so you get all the hereditaries. Is that not the number one? Uh, no, I think I looked this up. Protein potency is you know all spells from you have access to druidism, and yeah. you know all spells that you have access to. Okay, cool. First level spells. Uh, no, no, no. I don't think. I think it's. Uh, oh, so it's like Lawmaster on. Yes, on okay. uh, druidism. It's just loaded, so I can just double check. Yeah, you're 100 percent right, Ed. Sorry. Yep. Yeah, those all the learned spells it now has access to, as well as its hereditary. Okie dokie then. Well, I don't necessarily like playing Soaring Ancients with UD that much, to be frank. Uh, it's not my ideal matchup. You're right, though, like the, those Taurosaur, if they get charged by those cataphracts, they'll run right through them. But there's not that much shooting that the UD have to clear out all the skeleton chaff. I don't know, like... I know that Jack's new to Undying Dynasties as well. I'll I, tell you the other reason that I'll back Jack is because it's the first thing in the morning, and therefore he will be mostly sober <laughs> at that point. <laughs> well, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Jack's my roommate, so I'm just glad that he's little enough for me to have to carry back to the... To the <laughs> uh, you know, I'm going to go for Martin, just because it will give Jack something to shout at me about on Friday night. <laughs> event then in reality though like it's it's not an easy it's not the easiest matchup ever for ud those stegodons are nasty and jack's list is pretty one-dimensional you know he's got three blocks two of which are tomb cataphracts one of which is a chariot unit the yeah. tomb ambushing is a strange one because they're going to ambush they don't have a musician so they might get in themselves into fairly bad positions uh, if, he, if, it, if it doesn't scatter particularly well. That's a good point. Uh, although he does have two catapults against the dinosaurs and div magic. So if he just sits back and plays conservatively, then waits until he's killed off some of the Taurosaur, then he should be able to win. But looking at the rest of the list, it's not a list that's built to sit back and play conservatively. Um, and, you know, again, Jack's probably not travelled all the way up to Scotland to sit back and play defensively in his first game. He's going to want to charge shit. So sorry, just to clarify for the protein magic, it is the one where you know the number one spells. So the Quato gains protein magic and has access to druidism and knows all the learned spells it now has access to, as well as the hereditary. So protein is the number one thing. Oh, okay, so it gets the number one from divination, uh, yeah. from druidism as it well. Basically, it allows him to take Oaken Throne as well. That's the, the reason it's worded like that. Okay, so that's pretty handy raising then, but he's also got uh, Fireball um, to start clearing out some of these skeleton horsemen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's a decent, that's a good magic set to have against UD. Yeah. What's the armor on the cataphracts? Three plus. Yeah. Uh, that's tough. And potential five plus because he's got the architect as well. Yeah. I think you've got a bad jack as the favorite, right? <laughs> yeah, probably. But I'm still going with Martin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure. Like, don't expect any gratitude from Martin for that decision. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? I'm not making a friend now. No. <laughs> uh. 
I mean, I'm actually looking forward to this because this will. I think this is a. This will be Martin's first time of playing UD, and it'll give him something else to moan about. <laughs> so really make him this will be a new flavour. <laughs> the point about the ambition, Cataphract's a good one actually. I didn't clock that they're musicians, um, but I think that this is going to be a, a kind of who charges first, who blinks first, and I think that Jack's just got better stuff for it because he kind of outrages the Taurosaurs. I mean, the Warlord is a motherfucker. Um, but that the warlords in the Saurus, so that kind of relies on them getting charges on stuff when that shouldn't really be allowed to happen. Obviously, yeah. the game is the game, and sometimes stuff does happen. But although one thing I would say, so he's just got the skeletons. This is going to be his bunker, right? Yeah. So that Pterodon guy, the chief, he will do absolute work there if he can get in. Yeah, it's that's that's how to beat UD one hundred and one. Is there will be a very small, very fragile unit with a ridiculous amount of points in it. Oh, yeah. and if you kill the rest of the army, falls down. Yeah, I mean, it's just going to be whether he can like dodge divination magic going in, <laughs> and he doesn't just yeah. get like an air and strike off the table turn one. But yeah, I think probably Jack. But there's definitely ways for for Martin to win that one. I would say. Yeah. You dear Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Seamless. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, Jack's going to win that one then, we think. Uh, moving on. Uh, so the next uh, game is over to Tom. So I've got uh, Drew with Vermin Swarm. First up, and that is a Magister on a Doombell with Thaumaturgy. A BSB just you know in his in his pants. Well, Scepter's Vermin Valor, so he can hide at the back. Plague Patriarch on a Pendulum. Ten foot pads. Two units of 20 giant rats. 24 Plague Brotherhood. 25 Vermin Guard, 2 units of 10 Plague Disciples, 2 Dreadmills, 5 Gisels, 2 Plague Catapults, and a Rotary Gun. I actually had to check that three times to make sure it wasn't over the shooting cap. <laughs> and it's not, it's under, that's a legal list, which is wrong on so many levels. But <laughs> then we have uh, Matt Paris, who was a, a name that I knew way back in the eighth days, actually. He was sort of a regular on the tournament scene and uh, then sort of drifted away. So it was great to see him at the last few events coming back in. And he's on Empire with a prolet with a great weapon just on foot with Lock of Summer, a Marshal BSB, a Wizard Master on Divination, a Wizard Adept on Cosmology with the book, and he's also on the Arcane Engine, Arcane Shield. Then he has another prolet with the Crown of the Wizard King. What a hero. Three units of ten state militia, twenty light infantry with the marksman's pennant, twenty heavy infantry, twenty state militia, then two units of twenty-eight imperial guard, both with great weapons, one with a household banner, and then four units. Oh, sorry, and then four knights of the sun griffin. So it's a very choppy empire list. He literally has no range threats, which is a bit of a problem because <laughs> the, the vermin swarm. A lot of range threats, which yeah. is really going to kill a lot of the Empire infantry. Like, it's this. Sorry, Matt, this really couldn't be worse a matchup for you, to be frank. <laughs> there's, there's the two Giselle, there's the two Dreadmills and the Giselles to handle your one unit of cavalry. Then there's two play catapults to crucify your two units of 30 Imperial Guard, and then your units of 20 core are just not enough to stand up to, you know, the. Well, frankly, the giant rats or any of his combat threats. Yeah. Yeah, this is... See how drunk we can get Drew on the Friday night. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, it's uh, uh, poor Matt, I'm afraid. This is going to be pretty heavy in the Vermisworn's favour just because he's got answers to literally everything that Matt has. It's it's almost like he was given the list 
beforehand was able to write his list into it. You know, that Matt's got nothing... Well, if the big units of greatswords are able to get into the play pendulum and the doom wheel and, and the the bell, then, then there's a chance to pick up some points there. But I can't see them getting halfway across the board unscathed with the amount of vermin artillery that's coming at him and indeed thaumaturgy. And uh, in case he does, Drew's still got plenty of chaff to stop him uh, actually charging. So pretty open and shut, I'm afraid. Okay. Paul, any thoughts on that one? I think he's fucked. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's it's a cool list, but I think it's just a bad matchup. Like, I think the the synergy that Empire can get between orders, bound spells, and then magic can make their units super good in combat, but I just think the Imperial Guard blocks aren't going to get to combat, and then everything else is, like, meh. He's got four units of knights, but like big deal. Like there's nothing really there that I don't think Drew has to be worried about. I think Drew could do very well. I mean, he's got the arcane shields, which has got the is that hard target distracting? Yeah, no, it's just yeah. uh, distracting. It's not hard target. Distracting and um, plus one strength bound. Is that it? Uh, yes. Off the top oh, of my head. perception. Yeah, so perception of strength. Yeah. Okay, so it's not actually... I, th- I thought that was distracting and hard target. It's just distracting. Never mind. Um, yes, he's absolutely fucked. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask, like, as someone that plays Empire, like, if this was your Empire list and that was your match, like, how would you play this if you were Matt? You're at, you've got to just run at him. Because uh, if you hold back in any regard, you're going to get just shot off. Mm-hmm. So I think Matt's just kind of got to accept that this is a really shit matchup. Let's go all in and see if we can get something out of it. The issue I would have is Matt is that even if you get in, like even if the by some miracle the Imperial Guard blocks get into either of the tower units unscathed, that's still not a like a fight they automatically win because the strike and last with the great weapons, which is grand when they when they hit, but they take casualties. You know this is the issue with the Imperial Guard with the great weapons is that they their offensive output is awesome, but they because they're still only toughness three four up armor, they do just leak wounds all the time. So they rely on their bodyguard, which is fine, but as soon as, like, if he doesn't kill the bells or the towers, they just grind away at him, and he will lose that combat over time. So I think he's just, he's just got to go for it and hope things fall in his favour, but the issue is is that he's walking into a world of pain. His only consolation is that Drew is lovely. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Ed? I mean, I agree with Andrew. I think you'd have to just push into the face. You'd go for scrying bubbles every turn you'd yeah. do absolutely everything to make it hard for for Drew or or you know try and push him to make a mistake in his target prioritization and give a give something an opportunity to get stuck in but uh it's hard to see with the weight of options that he has how he doesn't uh, come out on top of this one so yeah I'd, I'd have to agree that Drew's probably going to take this one I think you've been sort of Captain Optimism so far, Ed. The, 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 new, uh, <laughs> the, the straw that broke the camel's back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, like, I, I would still love to see Matt win it, but uh, that's partly because Matt is also a lovely guy. Like, yes, yes. I, I, this this might be the nicest match in the <laughs> tournament. They'll both be apologising for taking units off. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think I'll just go sit by this game and let you guys get on with whatever else you're doing. Nice. Mm. The most important question in this matchup is who's going to have the nicest painted army? Ooh. I don't think I know. I mean, I might know Drew's army when I see it, but off the top of my head, I have no idea what it is. So, But Matt, 
Matt will win that competition nine out of ten times, as far as I'm concerned. Like, he's fantastic. Matt is fantastic, but I've seen Drew's army. <laughs> it really? Is, it is very nice. Oh, I'm looking for Paul, do you want to call it a ten? We just go sit and watch <laughs> apologise. Paul, take that now. Okay, so we're going to give that one to Drew. Uh, right, Paul, back over to you. So we've got Danny Mintel's Dread Elves up against Tony Hill's UD. Danny has the Sorcerer. No, they're not a Sorcerer. He's got a Dread Prince as his general. Mixing it up a bit. <laughs> um, he's got an Oracle with Cult of Yema on a dragon. There you go. There's the dragon. There you go. He's got two units of Corsairs, repaired weapons and repair handbows. Two units of five Dark Riders. One spear block. He's got the Altar. No character on it. It's the regular Altar. A big unit of Tower Guard. Two Krakens. Different, again, Danny was at the last Scottish tournament and running Dread Elves, but this is, he's mixed up the list a bit. He's bringing the meat and potatoes are in the Tower Guard and the Kraken this time. <laughs> the meat and the potatoes. Yeah, the meat and potatoes are the list. Okay. That's what yeah. it is. Tower Guard and Krakens. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then, well, and there's a dragon, you know, and whatever. Nah, yeah. nah, nah, the dragon, the dragon's just going to be dicking around. Ain't gonna shit. <laughs> um, Tony, he's bringing his Undying Dynasties. He's got a Pharaoh as his general, the Hierophants, Skeleton Chariot, Heavy Armour, Great Weapon. He's got Jackal's Blessing. He's got the thing I'm not going to pronounce of Natepsh. He's got the Death Mask, and that is it. 560 points. He's got a Death Cult Hierarch, who is an adept on divination on a horse with some light armour. He's got a Tomb Architect, paired weapons, 20 skeletons with the banner of Entombed, so they can get underground ambush. Six Skeleton Scouts, Seven skeleton chariots for command stalker standard. He's got four tomb cataphracts, seven shapties, two sand scorpions, and two colossus with paired weapons. So I think initially when I was looking at this matchup, I think I was leaning towards UD. And I think similarly with some of the other matchups, I think the UD list has a lot of really solid units. But I think Danny has tools in his list to take points. So Obviously, the cracking into the Colossus. I think the the Dread Prince build he's got, the General's actually quite good. So he's offensive skill 7, strength 7, AP 4. It does multi-wounds 2, agility 8. He's re-rolling 1s to wound. If he's got them in the with the Tower Guard, I think they could probably take the Shapties. So that's quite a lot of points. I think the big question mark is how he deals with the Chariot Star. He's got a decent amount of chaff. He's got divination. He's also got he's got two binding scrolls on the oracle. So yeah, if nice. he can if he can be focusing out damage and he'd be shutting down uh, any kind of healing spells, that might be the way to go. Um, the double binding scroll is a wonderful thing to play into UD because you pick the attribute and you can do it again the next turn. So that's two. You turns. can pick the attribute. Yes. Not- yes. Oh my so- god. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops, I'll let that cat out of the bag. Yeah. <laughs> that that scroll is fantastic. In oh, Tony is so fucked. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think um, I think it'll be a good game. I, I, I'm going to give it to Danny, but I think Tony's list is, is pretty solid, so um, there's no reason why he can't pick up points for that game as well. So, I'd, But I'm going to give it to Danny in the end. Okay, so I've got a couple of questions for... So you say Danny, Paul, yeah, you think? Yeah. So my interpretation of this game is based on a couple things, which Tom will now clarify for me. Okay. <laughs> Kraken speak Colossus, yes? 
Strength 7, Toughness 6. It's not an ideal sort of thing to roll into. Uh, Multi-Wounds D3 is nice, but again, the Colossus have 5 wounds. Potential 5 at regen from the Tomb Architect. It's close. Uh, they okay. should be crack good win, but it is close. Okay. Um, and Shabdi still beat Terragard? Question mark? No. I think Terragard beat the Shabti Because they got the banner of Guard Dacos, which gives them plus one a wound, doesn't it? Yeah. And then, then the Aura can also give them it all the time, can it? Yeah, so if they get it all the time, then it's re-rolls to wound or something silly. Um, and they've got much higher agility than them. So, again, if the Shabti are going to be able to be raised up again, as in, if the Dark Elf charges the Shabti, then the UD player knows that his Shabti will all pop up in the next phase. But with these double binding scrolls, that's not going to happen. So I would actually say the Tower Guard over the Shabti. Okay. And then the final thing, one Adept isn't enough. No. One Adept's nowhere near enough. Yeah. Okay. So I'll give it to Danny. Me too, for all those reasons. <laughs> <laughs> for those reasons, yeah. It's close. But to be honest with you, it's one of those marks of how bent is UD, where you look at this list and it's not an optimized list. You're right. It's got like one Wizards and, you know, it's sort of a bit all over the place and it still looks like it could be a good list that will you know crush some things yeah yeah i i've given it the dark drills i think you're right that they've got all the tools to pick up all the points that they need the ud player totally is able to just shove his stuff at their dark elf player because again traditionally ud absolutely adore playing up to three infantry blocks yeah so yeah tower guard beat the shabti chariots going to the tower guard there's going to be about eight tower guard left when it's their time to swing though yeah so it's different so I'm going to be controversial and say it depends who plays better. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, this is, a, this is another game where um, they're both really nice guys. I really like Tony a lot. Um, I haven't uh, played against him recently. I certainly haven't played against him with UD. But the, the interesting thing is because his magic spend is very low, he actually isn't relying on it. So suddenly the Binding Scrolls are actually less useful against him than they would be against a fully dedicated magic UD list yep. if you see That's what I mean because, yeah, yeah. so I played against Amit for example at uh, the Christmas party Mikey's Christmas event and he had no magic whatsoever in the UD list and therefore there was nothing to shut down it was just a pure smash list uh, and even then, even with Crumble they were still incredibly effective at what they were doing so mm. I, I, yeah, I, mean, I think it would be an interesting match, I actually think Tony might have the tools to be able to win this if he gets the pair if he gets the matchups that he wants to get out of it. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going to give it to Tony, and I will say that Sand Scorpions are the best chaff, are a contender for best chaff in the game. Agreed. And steal for 160 points. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's still also got a unit scout, so if they don't show up, he's still got the the tools. I think you're right Ed, that yeah, Tony. They both have the schools, the, the tools to beat each other, and it'll just come down to play maneuvering and who's able to get the right chaff setups and everything. In a similar way to me refusing to support Tim because he has ambushes, I just cannot support a UD list with two spells. That's just <laughs> crazy talk. Whereas I think we should all be supporting such a UD list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I-, I think everybody else should as well. Please, <laughs> run only two one wizard because then they absolutely won't get nerfed and I'll be fine. <laughs> okay, so Danny has that one then from us. Uh, so the next game is one of mine. So this is the one and only ETC Scotland legend, the father to us all, it's Papa Deech, against oh. 
Alex Thomas. And Alex Thomas isn't bringing his usual Orc Smash, he's bringing Warrior Smash. So, to start with Alex, he's got, and I actually wrote this on a sheet, hashtag legit list. <laughs> he has a Feldrake Ancestor, General, Paired Weapons, Symbol of Slaughter. He's got a Barb Chief BSB on a Behemoth with Paired Weapons, because why not? He's got a Sorcerer, Wizard Master, Evocation on a Dark Chariot with Plate Armor, Gladiator Spirit, and Talisman Shielding. He's got 33 barbs with full command spear shield, 32 barbs full command spear shield, 6 Feldrax full command halberds, 2 marauding giants for tribal war spears, so they're absolutely going in the barbs, and he's got 6 warhounds. Whether or not that list is effective in the tournament, that list should be commended because it's baller. It's a warrior list, warriors army. It is so oh, cool. That's excellent. Meanwhile, Papadij has brought uh, Dwarven Filth. So he's got a Runic Smith General with Ancestral Memory for the extra hatred. He's got three Battle Ruins, Shield, Rune of Devouring, Rune of Dragon's Breath, and two Runes of Iron. So I imagine that's one up, four up, because why the fuck not with Dwarves, eh? He's Mm. got an Anvil, uh, Engineering His Pants with a Shield, a Thane BSB with a Shield, Rune of Iron, two Runes of Lightning, and the Rune of Returning for Thor's Hammer. He's got two ten-man units of marksmen with crossbows and shields. He's got 27 greybeards, full command, shield, and the runic banner of swiftness. Two sixes of hold guardians, musician, which is sweet sauce, I like that. Uh, Avenger Seeker, two units of two steam bombers, so not the attack copters, the bombers. Uh, Runecrafted catapult and a cannon. So, whilst I think that Alex's list is, and I quote, hashtag legit, I think... This is a, a pretty nasty matchup for him, and Deej can afford to sit back and pray that his war machines turn up, uh, because the cannon and the catapult, if they if they hit, and that's a big if, um, they should be looking to take off a monster a turn or thereabouts. It's not that big an if. He's got an engineer and the cannon. We're getting plus one to hit uh, yeah. terror and presence. It shouldn't be, but war machines seem to operate <laughs> on a different plane of existence than everything else. <laughs> Work with the fact that these giants are infantry and there's there's still a there's still a different troop uh, size, so you can yeah, so you can still target them out. I think if I remember right, yeah, yeah. I just uh, that's that's what I assumed. I was just I was just basically I was asking for Alex's sake. (laughs) (laughs) The issue is as well that none of so neither the the giants nor the ancestor or, or behemoth have any special saves at all. So any wounds that he does get through are sticking. And he's obviously got no way to heal them. So, I mean, Deej can do what Deej does best and corner like a motherfucker and shoot the shit out of him. And then hopefully, well, from Deej's perspective, hopefully when he gets closer, he's already taken out a couple of his threats and then the whole Guardian should be looking to mop up the rest. But if the War Machines don't turn up, then the whole Guardians have suddenly got a whole lot of work to do. But I think you've still got to give it to Deej as a favour, I would say. Yeah, it's hard to not see, look at this Warriors list and just think, by turn three, that's going to be dead, that's going to be dead, yeah. you know. It's a tough one for Alex, but yeah, like the the fact that the Marauding, the, the Giants are multi-wounds against Towering, and DJ's no Towering, so it's not, like, the, the whole guy, they've got a lot of work to do, but probably do it, really. Yeah. You don't even necessarily need the artillery to show up too much, but yeah. yeah. Sorry, Alex. <laughs> yeah, really it's, cool it's... list. But unfortunately, those tend to not be the best ones. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a list where the target prioritization basically writes itself. Where the cannon goes on the Feldrek ancestor, yeah. the catapult goes on one of the marauding giants because you put the splash onto the unit and the single hit onto the giant, which yeah. is just the ideal combination. And 
you you just keep shooting it, and by the time it reaches, yes, the Feldrax will probably arrive mostly intact because you've got other things to deal with. But I don't that know way. if that's enough. I have a question regarding the catapult, and this is probably very stupid. I'm probably just having a, a brain fart. But see, because it's area four by four. Yeah. For no, the... it doesn't. It doesn't cancel out because the giant takes up additional space. It doesn't. So the giant still only counts as one. Yeah. You don't calculate the space. You calculate the number of models. Yeah. Right. Okay. If there are four files and if there are four columns, then yeah. you get yeah sixteen hits, and then you attribute one to the giants. So right. Yeah, you so that, yeah that's brutal then. Yeah, it's the same thing you do with uh, dread elf altars as well when they're in a unit. Right. Mm. Can you tell it's been a while since I've played uh, Empire? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't you have mortars? <laughs> yeah. Those those little things. Mm. Paul, what do you think? Brothers in Arms um, or Dirty Dwarves? No. There's elements of the list I like. I mean, he's got the Ancestor, the Behemoth, and the Feldrick unit are all very fast, but the bar blocks are going to be movement four. So unless he's relying on the bubble magical move from Evo, then I think they're going to get left behind. So the the Ancestor is interesting. It's It's got a lot of really cool elements to it, but it's only it's still risk six. So, you know, Cannon's still going to be doing a lot of work against it. I think he's just got to run at him, and then even then, I think Deej has got he's got the bombers, he's got the vengeance seeker, he's got even like the little ten man blocks. He can be holding him up and just shooting at him for days, and yeah. then he's got two six whole guardians to get through. I think by that point, unless Deej is having a horrendous day with his war machines, I think Deej should probably win that. Okay, so we all agreed, Deej. Okie dokie. Right, moving on. So Edge, you've got the next game. This is Michael versus Ollie. Empire Sunstyle versus Infernal Dwarves. So Michael is bringing a fully mounted Empire list. He's got a Knight Commander on a horse who's a general with Light Sunstyle and Witchfire Guard. He's got a Martial BSB Great Tactician uh, with the Death Warrant to give battle focus to the unit uh, and Stalker Standard for the cab unit that he's going to go into. Prelate on horse, so with one-up armor, and the Locket of Suna. Uh, he's got a wizard on a horse on Cosmology, Wizard Master. He's got another wizard on a horse, Adept on Pyromancy with Book. He's got 15 Knightly Orders, full command with Lances, Shields, and the Banner of Speed, which is a pretty nice combination. He's got nine Electoral Cav. He's got two units of three Knights of the Sun Griffin with Stalker Standard. And he's got two times five Writers with Braced Pistols and a Steam Tank. And then he is facing against Ollie who has a Prophet's General, Wizard Master, on Alchemy with a Blunderbuss. He's got an Overlord on the Great Bull of Shamut with Onyx Core, Obsidian Rock, Potion Swiftness. He's got Vizier BSB, uh, again with a Blunderbuss, a Banner of the Relentless Company, Mask of the Furnace. He's got a Cheap Backstabber Boss, Hobgoblin Chieftain. He's got 28 Infernal Warriors, Full Command and Blunderbusses. He's got 26 Hobgoblins Backstabbers. He's got 22 Hobgoblins with bows. He's got nine Torox with Infernal Weapons and a Banner of Shemut. Five Hobgoblin Wolf Riders for Chaff. Kadim Titan and five Kadim Incarnates. So this is, uh, I mean, they're, they're, they're both quite interesting lists, but this is very much the most rock, paper, scissors of lists, I hmm. think, of matchups. So you've got Alchemy, which is fantastic against Michael's list. You've got blunderbusses, which are terrible against Michael's list. <laughs> <laughs> You've got 
pyromancy uh, in Michael's list that's absolutely terrible against almost everything in Ollie's list. So, yeah, it's a really interesting sort of matchup where there are lots of things that just can't even hurt each other, like the blunderbuss unit, which is really quite scary if you've got any kind of infantry unit to take the, the hits from it. But they're going to struggle to plink through individual wounds on cab units. So I think Michael's got some really interesting parts in his uh, in his army. I think alchemy will be a real threat to him. But if he can, you know, get the knight commander into some of the the nastier stuff in the ID list, like the Great Bull or the Kadim Titan, the Sun Style will definitely do some work there. But I'm, not, I'm really not sure where I put this one. I know the, I know obviously you don't like the steam tank. Andrew, but uh, a cannon when you've got a titan on the on the table is not necessarily a bad thing, or probably more likely the bull. Yeah, no, the stank's actually all right in this one. I mean, alchemy can just absolutely wreck it, but um, it's not a terrible matchup for him. Yeah, so I think I think I could see it going either way. Michael's been doing pretty well with his army recently. He's had a lot of practice with it. I I, I think I'd probably I think I'd probably side with Ollie slightly. Okay. Yeah, but it's I'm really not. close. I don't like the Cav Bus. I just don't think it's as good as it used to be, frankly. But I, no, Paul hit the nail on the head. That it's 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 weird. Like you know, you can kind of divide each person's army into halves, and then there's one half that's really good against half the opponent's other half. Hmm. So it'll be a little bit of almost the onus is on Michael to do that though, because he's got the more far, he's got the faster army. And has less ability at ranged, I think. I mean, I'm saying ranged. I think I'm using Ollie's sort of threat projection and ball control as as that kind of safety net that he's able to sit back on. Um, so it's up to Michael to push the action a bit, I think. I'd probably give it to Ollie, I think. I just think that the Titan and the Overlord have so many wonderful targets in this list, other than the big block. And that's almost the problem with... with Death Stars, that if you can mitigate the Death Star and lose everything else, yeah. then then you can go down pretty hard. And that's the that, that's almost one of the reasons I don't like this Death Star, because it's not actually that Death Star-y. You know, there's not a ridiculous amount of points sat in it. You know, I've played armies in the past where I can happily lose everything else and know that I've only lost like a thousand points, because, you know, everything else is in the bus. Yeah. Michael's isn't that. So it's not as Death Star-y as Death Stars go, um, which I think might be a bit of an egg for him. But I also know Ollie's really rubbish. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Ollie. Um, no, I, I probably give it to Ollie. Just, I love the Great Bull. It's one of my favorite models in the game. I just think that the, it's, a, it's got a ward save, it flies, it's... Oh, he's not got the gauntlets. It's only strength six. All right. Maybe change them. <laughs> Ollie, what are you doing? Why is he not strength seven? Um, <laughs> I say it's very, very close. I will just go with Ollie. Just. Okay. Paul? I'm going to give it to Michael, just because he's got the faster list, so he should be able to dictate charges with orders and, and whatnot. He's got the banner of speed, and I don't know how he plays it, if he just drops first or if he tries to counter-deploy him, but I think he's got things there that can that Ollie will need to try and mitigate against. And because he's slower than Michael, I think that gives Michael quite a big advantage. And Michael's got good he's got good magic. Fair enough, the pyro isn't going to do shit, but he's got a master on something, doesn't he? Yeah, master yeah. on cosmology. Cosmo. Yeah, Cosmo's a really good lore. And especially the, the truth of time, 
for charges and stuff is super good. So I think it's going to be really tight, but I think between things like having the sun stall and the cannon to deal with monsters being faster, I mean, like, things like the Torak are cool, but they're, like, agility too. Yeah, they're not very good. They're not great, right? So, and they can Demon Carnage, right? They have, they're frenzied. Because I played Ollie at Bristol, and he had them just out of BSB, and then they got frenzy checked, and he ended up losing the unit. So I think he'll be way of that happening again. Well, you bloody hope so, now we mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, against me, his uh, kid, his um, Torak uh, anointed ran off the table from a terror test, so... Uh, I think he might be. He might have spent some time thinking about bubbles and ranges and psychology in general. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all he's got the alchemy, which Michael needs to be careful of. So I think Michael might need to go into the game being pretty aggressive, just to make sure that he's not giving him the time and the space to be getting off spells on his blocks because he's got no way of bringing the models back. So it'd be really hard going back to an army where I, I can't bring models back. It's become <laughs> a bit of a crap. <laughs> Um, I think this is actually a really bad matchup for Michael. I think this could potentially be a big win for Ollie. Um, because the only thing that Ollie is really scared of is the, the bus. It's only 15 dudes at the end of the day, plus characters. All it takes is one or two of the alchemy magic missiles to go through. You start plating them. He's got plenty of stuff that you can throw in front. I think Ollie just needs to not be precious about stuff. So like, the goblin chieftain hold him back, throw him in front of the bus. The wolf mm. riders throw them in front of the bus. The Torok throw them in front of the bus. Because he'll just keep chipping away at them. The three man units are chicken knights. They could maybe get some hobgoblins. Maybe. <laughs> you know, the, there's nothing really else there that's scary. The Titan will kick the shit out of the stank. Uh, if the magic doesn't get there first, the bull can fly around. He can take the chickens. Uh, I would even fire the bull in the stank. Probably be stuck there for a couple of turns, but he should still win with the D3. So, yeah, if you get. Yeah. Alchemy putting flammable on something to get the D three boons, so yeah. So yeah, I think this is this is actually quite a hard one for Michael, I would say. I think he needs I think he does need to play quite aggressive. He needs to put all under pressure quickly with the bus and kinda force him to almost make a mistake. If he sits back he's gonna lose big. If he pushes and it goes wrong he's gonna lose big. So I think he he kinda just has to literally roll the dice and go for mm. it. But I think this is quite a tough one for him. The best thing about Ollie's list is that he's got the potion of strength on that hobgoblin chieftain. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. So I buy think. That guy, that hobgoblin chieftain, single-handedly won him the game when I played him at Midlands two years ago. Because he, yeah. co- he caused a march check on my night bus, which they then failed with BSB, and they got charged by the world and died. That guy has got <laughs> previous for this kind of shit. <laughs> so he's, <laughs> he's a good guy to call on in this matchup. Okay, so I think we're Ollie three to one. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then the final game, Tom, take it away. Okay, so we have Josh Burns Woodhouse, which I I just love, Josh Burns. So Josh tends to play a fairly standard elf list, but he changes it around quite a bit as well. So it's almost always the sort of MSU skirmish stuff, but maybe it'll have a dragon. This time, no dragon though. He does have a forest prince on a great elk. With the Wild Hunter Kindred, Blessed Descriptions, Curse of the Black Stag, again, one of those million attacks on the charge guy. He does have BSB with two Aether Icons, also on a Great Elk. So this is a nice little Huntsman star that's lining up here. Uh, a Wizard Master on Druidism, Wizard Adept on Shamanism. 
Two units of eight dryads, 15 forest guard with no command or anything. I'm guessing they're a bunker of some description. Two units of five heath hunters, eight heath riders, two eagles, seven wild huntsmen, and then two nines of pathfinders, which is a problem. And then we've got the wonderful Frasier with a cosmology wizard master on foot, a captain BSB on a manticore, and then that's where the characters end, as in there is no dragon or altar, which is <laughs> not, not hard enough. Two units of five dart riders, 30 legionnaires, 10 auxiliaries, uh, repeater auxiliaries, one unit of five dark acolytes with the cult of Yema, which I think changes their spells around. I'm not 100% sure which ones that means. I think that they makes are. them the occultism spells. That's it, yeah. Um, yeah, the pentagram and stuff. Uh, then he's got nine dread knights, five harpies, two raptor chariots, and two hydras. Other than the lack of a dragon or a altar, I really like this DE, this uh, Dark Elf list. Okay. I think I do like Raptor Chariots. I think are actually pretty tough. And in an, in an Elf army, having anything that's tough is, is a really nice change. The Hydra, just they're good options. The Dark Dra- uh, the the Akites, I, I just like um, Wizard Conclaves. I think it's a really excellent purchase in your army. It gives you a channel that's not coming out of characters. It gives you extra spells, again, not coming out of characters. So it's a nice sort of backup wizard. Um, while also being cheap and having a fair few multi-other purposes. Josh Burns has got, I'd say, a not a particularly shooty Wood Elf list, which is, you know, still got 18 Pathfinders, which can cause some real big issues for those um, monsters. But it's a fairly combat-oriented list, which I think kind of plays into Frasier's hands a little bit. I'm going to go Frasier to win this, because he's got the home field advantage, which is always very important. Um, <laughs> now, I, I don't think that Josh has the weight of shooting that what our players normally needs in order to shoot off the threats and Frasier's got quite a lot of threats and they're not they're quite diverse and it's two chariots and two kraken and stuff so he's so josh really has to focus them down one by one which means that there's going to be more that are getting in yeah it's not like one big unit which you can just have a, a lucky roll on and, and cripple all of a sudden if you get a lucky roll you've probably wasted it because you didn't need to cause eight wounds to that chariot kind of thing mm. so I, I there's a couple question marks in josh's list that i'm just not sort of 100% sure what his role is either. You know, he seems to have two wizards in a bunker of Forest Guardian without a musician. So they're going to struggle to get in range of their spells and things. They're going to struggle to, to keep up with stuff. He's got one unit of seven Wild Huntsmen and then one unit of eight Heath Riders, which I'm guessing he could kind of dance his characters around a little bit in. But, you know, the, the, whichever one doesn't get the characters is is really vulnerable. It's not like the other Wood Elf list we went through that had the nice unit of Blade Dancers as well. He's really got the one threat of his characters and the Wild Huntsman. Um, so I think give it a Fraser, really. Interesting. Ed, any thoughts? Yeah, so I played Fraser with this, this list not that long ago, or a variation on this list. I like it. I think he, obviously, is quite new still to Dread Elves, uh, having lost a... a Bet in Team Scotland, so being forced to move from dwarfs to dread elves. This is how we deal with things on Team Scotland. Every opportunity that is brought to be brought up. (laughs) Was he Um, best against Eldeach? Yes, it was. Well, that was never going to work out well for you, Fraser, was it? (laughs) It was working up till turn up till game four of uh, Bristol. Yeah. Oh, really? Uh, so yeah, I mean, I I think it's I think it's a good build. I think he he obviously just needs to have some time to get used to it and and to um you know to really adapt it. Hydra generally are are at their best uh, with infantry. There isn't necessarily the prime targets for them, although 
they will certainly be able to push into the face of things like the Pathfinders and just breath weapon them. And Pathfinders will struggle to wound Hydras because, generally speaking, they'll be wounding on sixes. Yeah. And then Hydras have the four up. Yeah, that's that's the big thing. It's just you've got to cause twice as many wounds to the things, which is yeah. never... I've played against Josh before with similar builds, and yeah, he he does da- tend to dance his characters between the two uh, rider units, and it does give him a pretty decent ability to zone things because they charge at such a long distance and, and they're so potent on the charge, either the characters or the Wild Huntsman. And he does have the Flaming Banner on... Flaming Standard on the Heath Riders, so that means the Hydra have to be that bit extra careful around those. I even think that the Pathfinders would probably target the Dread Knights just to wipe their AP off. Yeah. Uh, wipe their armor off with the AP and the Raptor Chariots and things. So I think there's probably points for the Pathfinders to pick up. I don't necessarily see Josh really breaking much of the rest of the list though, uh, unless Fraser gives easy charges and things. So I think it'll come down to whether Fraser can really pin down you know, standard Sylvan Elf tactics. Can you pin them down, and then can you squash them out? So I'd probably, I'd probably give it to Fraser though. Okay, give him a, give him a boost. <laughs> Paul, I, th- I think the lists are actually fairly balanced. I think there's similar things in both lists. They both got fast elements that they'll both need to be wary of, like the Dread Knights on the charge with the Banner of Blood. That's pretty nasty. He's got decent chaff, like you say. He's got two tough monsters and two chariots. He's got the the guy in the manticore. So he's, I think he's shooting. He's got a lot of potential targets. Josh, he's got the huntsman and the two characters. I mean, with Fraz's lists, I mean, do those characters need to be in a unit? They're just to hide from the cosmos spells potentially, because he doesn't really have a lot of shooting. Yeah, I guess the advantage of putting him in the um, the raiders unit, like Ed said, is to get the flaming banner for the Hydras, but you're, you're absolutely right. There's there's no real range threat against them, so they could they solo swag it. Which, I think that makes it a harder matchup for for Fraser to deal with, yeah. um, if they're running around solo and solo. So I'll give it, I think I'll give it to Fraser, but I won't be surprised if Josh takes that. I think that's, I think that potentially could be quite a cagey game, depending on Magic and who's getting the matchups after deployment that looks good, then that might just determine who actually gets the nudge. So, I'll say Fraser. Yeah, I kind of read Josh's list, not really thinking about the riders, and kind of just assumed that both the stag characters were going to go in the wild riders. And I kind of just read it like a Death Star list with Pathfinders. But, like it's been pointed out, I mean, they've actually got a decent option in the riders, especially with the Flaming Banner against this list. Uh, but I just think Fraz has got you know, ways to deal with stuff. Like, even the 10 repair auxiliaries, it sounds stupid, but they'll kill Wild Huntsmen, you know. They'll, they'll yeah. chip away at them. The Acolytes with the Occultism upgrade, like, they have serious potential to earn a lot of pay in this match. And Ooh, yeah. Just chip it away with Pentagram and Grave Calls and stuff like that. That's just sexy, sexy sauce. Yeah. Even the Spearman, just 30 dread yeah. region it. Yeah. The, like that. What are they going to do? <laughs> Tell you what, see if that manacore gets around the back and gets that bunker. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Game over. Position, it can't get away. Yeah. So yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree with you guys. You've got to give it to Fraz, I think. So right. that brings us to it, guys. So that's all the first round games reviewed, all the lists done. So the only thing left to do on this show is uh, to talk about who we think is going to be on that magical podium at the end. Including this in the bet, is this... Uh... <laughs> oh, I know, because I'm horrendous at this. I've got a terrible track record, so I'm going to vote no on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I've got Tales of Eric and Piggy Pony as well. Um, but because you're our lovely guest, Tom, <laughs> you can go first. <laughs> so who, out of the list we've talked about, who jumps out at you and thinks you're a real podium contender? Uh, I think uh, the defending champion, Gareth. Okay. I like vampires in general. I think they're very powerful. It's got a, 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 it's got a, it's an army that will be very rewarding. And again, if he gets some decent matchups and plays it well, which I know he can, he stomp up there as well. I, I think Deej as well. That looking at the field, there's quite a few monsters and nice targets for big uh, for for artillery. So uh, there's a chance that he does well. I mean, you know, all the UD players have a chance just because UD's bent, frankly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I really is though. I'm playing elves, and there's quite a lot of elves here. Um, yeah. So yeah, if, if myself or Jack just get drawn against some of these Sylvan Elves or even against some of a lot of the Empire they, they're none of the rocket so there's not a mass amount of multi-wounds to deal with them I did like the uh, was it Guillermo's Vermin Swarm list which one was it that I reviewed no Drew's yeah Drew's Drew, yeah Drew's a brutal list and again so I'd say I'm going to pick four for my podium okay and that's <laughs> cheat <laughs> Gareth. So Deej Gareth. Uh, in no particular order. Drew. And yeah. then it's like a conglomeration, one of the UD players. That's uh that's how I'm gonna super hedge all of my <laughs> Okay. So yeah, so we've got Gareth Deej, Drew, and a UD player. Okay. Um Ed, who do you think? So I'm gonna back Gareth as well. I think it's a reliable shot. I haven't seen him playing VC particularly. I know he's been playing it recently. I haven't come across him against with those, so I'm kind of relying on general past form. I'm going to plump for Tom uh, out of the UD players because I think Tom has the most experience with the army, mm-hmm. and I think if I think if a po- if a UD army doesn't podium, then I'll be very surprised. <laughs> and I think I might go for Mark Greensill as a third podium. Ooh, the Carno, eh? Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that Alpha Carno stomp his way across the battlefield, and uh, yeah, we'll see how it fares. Okay. Okay, buddy, who are we thinking? This is Mad um, Get Radio on the line here. Let's do it. There's a good shout that Tim is somewhere in the top for no other reason that he did so badly <laughs> at Bristol that he's going to be out for blood at this <laughs> tournament. Okay. Uh, there's, like we've said, there's a lot of monsters and things in people's lists, and having to use Gortax could do very well. Gareth's VC list... I actually prefer your VC list to, to Gareth's, if I'm being honest. So if I was going to pick a VC list, I'd probably pick yours. Thanks, babe. Um, <laughs> 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 and uh, I think uh, Guillermo as well. I really like Guillermo's oh, list. So I would okay. put Guillermo. Um, for me, I mean, the one list that stands out is Drew's for me. Um, I think that's nasty. I don't think there's a whole bunch of lists in the field that I really want that list in a matchup. I think he can mitigate a lot of the matchups that are a bit dicey because he can just sit back and shoot. I mean, having played a, a gun line, I mean, it's not really a gun line, but it's very shooty. Uh, and having played that in the past, when it doesn't turn up, your world falls apart and you just remove models from the table. But vermin are broken. So you should be all right. <laughs> So I would say Drew. I th- you've got to choose Gareth. I think Gareth, like Gareth, is one of the few players I've seen play that just like he does. He just sees the game differently from people. I think he could come like turn up with one wizard in his pants and still do pretty well. So I think Gareth's got to be in my podium. 
Um, as much as it pains me, because he'll probably take best in race off me. <laughs> I mean, that's assuming that Barry's going to be fucking paralytic by game three, so I should be able to overtake him. And then third, I don't know. I think UD is definitely strong. I think Tom or Jack are definitely going to be up there. I mean, Tom's got the massive advantage that he knows the army better than Jack. Yeah, you know what? I'll go Tom. So I'll say Drew, Gareth, and Tom. So, out of that, everyone mentioned Gareth. So if he does shit, we all suck at predictions. Tom was mentioned by two, so Tom, you're definitely a contender. And Drew was mentioned by two. Alrighty. So, before we log out, anyone got any overall thoughts? Just well done at growing it, really. Um, you know, the, uh, I can't remember how many people read it last year, but it was quite small, really, wasn't it? It was sort of 15, 16-ish? Uh, Eight, 18, yeah. 18 in the end. You know, you've, you've about doubled that yeah, this time around, it's been pretty which good. is fantastic going. And again, well done getting the sponsorships along board. I mean, as again, as a filthy southerner, uh, not just an Englishman in the south. <laughs> of, uh, I've seen plenty of you, you guys and like the, you know, flying the Scottish flag, uh, over, uh, down here so fantastic that your scene up there is growing and that you seem to be wanting to come around and uh, participate in all the other events that are running around as well so uh, hopefully more English people will come up to see you guys oh, thanks Tom Ed any final thoughts just a big thank you to everyone who's coming up uh, everyone who's travelling from, from far away sometimes and uh, you know hopefully people will have a great time people have will enjoy it you know we're 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 hoping that it attracts a kind of really strong sporting element and and people play it for the enjoyment of the game and you know don't take it too seriously you know we want people to try and we want people to to give it their best but uh ultimately if everyone has a great weekend then i think we'll have done our job lovely words paolo any final mm. thoughts um no just the same really looking forward to it it'll be good to catch up with some of the guys that we met down at bristol this year like some of the welsh guys are coming up that'd be good it'd be good to meet people like tom uh, who have not met in person. I used to miss each other at Bristol, didn't we? Yeah, I think I actually walked past you a couple of times, and I'm pretty sure I was like, I think that's Tom. We just um, blacked each other out of principle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but people like, you know, you know, there's a lot of names of you know that are coming up that you hear on the grapevine, people like, you know, Tony from the Fantasy Wargaming podcast and Matt and, and people like that. So uh, yeah, it'll be good. We're really looking forward to it. Well, thanks for having me on as well. Awesome. Yes, thank you to Tom. Thank you to Ed for joining us. The last thing that we need to do is mention our sponsors once more. So uh, the tournament itself is sponsored by Deep Cut Studios. Um, we have Mears Miniatures and Cromlick on the day. And ETC Team Scotland this year is sponsored by Warbase. So a massive thank you to all of them. Um, if you have any episode thoughts for us or any questions or queries, you can get in contact with us on Twitter at Scottish Ninth Age. Or you can send us an email at scottishwildlings at gmail.com. And with that, that's the show. So all that's left to do is actually play the tournament and see what happens. And we will catch you in the wrap-up episode. See you then. All right. See you. Take it easy, guys.